Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Night After Night, a podcast about eight scenes in a row. I'm Lisa Fernandes, and... I'm Chris Jai Wardner. Hello. And we're happy to once again welcome our friends from These Days Are Ours podcast. Like to introduce yourselves, folks. Hello, I'm Peter. And I'm Joe. And we have a podcast all about happy days. Yeah. We're that's so- right. oh, sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, quiet. No, that's right. We, we're at uh, thesedaysareours.libson.com and we post a new episode every Tuesday, uh, every Tuesday morning. So check us out. We're proud to have you all here. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Shotgun Wedding which is a two-parter, which started on Happy Days and continued on Laverne Shirley. Uh, This is the opening of Season 5 for Laverne Shirley. And the opening of Season 7 for Happy Days, which is jumping ahead a bit for our show. Mm -hmm. We are currently covering Season 6, so, yeah. Yeah, you guys are getting a glimpse of the future. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly chime in that it makes sense that a bunch of nerds would somehow deal with time travel, even in this sort of meta sort of sense. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, I'm going to open up this big old pot of wonder by telling everybody what the heck happened to Laverne Shirley and to Happy Days as the season began. At the ending of season four, Laverne Shirley was riding high. After two highly ranked seasons, it had just concluded its second season as the number one program in America. It was doing well in foreign and syndication markets. Then ABC looked at its successful Tuesday night lineup and said to itself, Wow, I bet we can spread this out over two nights. Thus did the network choose to move Laverne Shirley to Thursday nights for the 1979-1980 season. For the first time, it would lead up a block of programs. In this case, the premiering Benson, Barney Miller, and Soap. Perhaps presaging what was to come, those shows were mostly contemporary, sophisticated comedies and sitcoms that had little in common with the broad slapstick of Laverne Shirley and its blue-collar audience. Replacing the show in their 8.30 p.m. Tuesday time slot was another Marshall vs. show, Angie which had done quite well in its first season as a mid-season replacement and, as Laverne Shirley had done seasons before, was returning as part of the show's regular lineup in its second season. Well, the move was a complete disaster. Huge disaster for everybody involved and every show involved. By the time May 1980 rolled around, Laverne Shirley had plunged from the number one slot on the Nielsen ratings chart to... Completely out of the top 30. Completely out of it. Gone. Angie went from being a top 10 hit to falling out of contention completely as well. And Happy Days fell from 4th place to 17th. Only Three's Company, which actually increased the number of viewers it had taken in to become the second most popular show in America that year, survived the titanic loss of its Tuesday night mates. ABC tried to staunch the bleeding by moving Laverne Shirley to Mondays at 8 p.m. by the winter of 1979, where it eventually was joined by Angie in the pre-Monday night football time slot. Meanwhile, another Gary Marshall-produced show, Good Time Girls, a World War II set sitcom, debuted in the Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. spot in the mid-season. Equally disastrous ratings. When neither Angie nor Laverne Shirley displayed improved ratings on Mondays, and after the Winter Olympics finished playing out, 
Laverne Shirley was moved back to his Tuesday 8.30 p.m. slot that spring, where it would stay and eventually see slightly improved ratings in seasons 6 and 7. Angie and Good Time Girls, meanwhile, were burned off over the spring and summer in a Saturday night time slot. It was not an easy time for the show, as you can obviously guess from all of this. Penny Marshall, in the middle of divorcing Rob Reiner and experiencing occasional onset bouts of historical blindness, according to her autobiography, told People Magazine at the time that ABC had repeatedly promised to move the show back to its original time slot if the ratings stayed in quote-unquote crummy. To quote Penny directly, so he kept sending messages. Is this crummy enough? It hasn't been a great year. Uh, Laverne Shirley, as we're going to see, like Happy Days, bowed the ratings blues in a number of different ways. Happy Days, well, this is a season where Happy Days burned down Arnold's. They started a new restaurant out of that. And uh, Laverne Shirley marry off uh, Edna and Frank together. They launch an ambitious story arc where the girls go through military training. And there are murder mysteries for the forays in the 60s as they tried to fix the ratings gap. Considering how many iconic episodes took place in season 5, specifically the highly memorable The Diner, it's amazing to learn how low the ratings really were this year. The end result will be to move the entire gang from the ordinary blue-collar world in Milwaukee to the glitzy world of California. This against the wishes of Penny Marshall and against the wishes of many, many members of the cast as they wanted to move the show to New York where things would stay blue-collar. That's an entirely different Fisher when a fry at the end of the season. <sighs> oh, that was Shotgun Wedding, parts one and two. Uh, it first aired on September 11th, 1979, and September 13th, 1979. That was a Tuesday and a Thursday. Uh, part one was followed by the season premiere of a show called Angie, the Gary Marshall sitcom starring Donna Pescal as the sassy waitress who marries a wealthy doctor, played by Robert Hayes. In this episode, Angie tries to hide the fact that she's now rich from her old friends when they come to visit, so they won't think that she is a snob. On Tuesday, opposite Happy Days, CBS was airing the Wonder Woman episode Phantom of the Roller Coaster Part 2. This was the, this was the last ever episode of the live-action Wonder Woman show. And NBC had a special called Sharks, hosted by Jaws author Peter Benchley. Among the sharks, among the sharks covered on the special were the Great White and the Harmless Wabagong Shark. Uh, part two, Laverne and Shirley was followed by the series premiere of Benson, a spinoff of Soap starring Robert Guillaume as a wisecracking butler who goes to work for a bumbling governor. Uh, on Thursday, opposite Laverne and Shirley, CBS aired the 1976 movie Gator, starring Burt Reynolds as a former con man who was enlisted to entrap a corrupt politician. And NBC reran part four of the historical miniseries Holocaust. So those those were your choices. Uh, the first time you had uh, Happy Days versus uh, Wonder Woman versus Sharks. And then the second time you had Laverne and Shirley versus uh, Gator versus Holocaust. Yeah. Now, that's that's an Asylum Films uh, masterpiece waiting to happen. Yeah. And before before I forget, though, uh, Gator, that's the White Lightning sequel, isn't it? Uh, all I can find, I, I'm not that conversant with Burt Reynolds' films from the, yeah. the 70s. I thought it was a film about wrestling gators or something. But... Uh, Burt Reynolds plays a con man named Gator, who is trying to uh, who is trying to uh, entrap a, a corrupt politician. I don't know if he'd played that same character in another movie. Uh, yeah, because there was yeah, there's a there's a great Moonshiner uh, car exploitation picture from the '70s called White Lightning, where he plays a uh, Bobby Gator McCluskey. Oh, and there me, you go. I'm gonna quick, so I'm it's, gonna look this up just to confirm. So it's not Burt Reynolds wrestling alligators. Sadly. 
Because that was what I was hoping for. As soon as I saw it, it was like it was not about as soon as I found out that he was Gator and that he was not wrestling Gators, uh, I was like, eh, no, no, thank you. To, to oh, bummer. It doesn't even have any of the great character actors that are in the first movie. But yes, it is a sequel. So I, I guess Gator was what was on opposite. Um, I usually ask Peter, like, what would you have watched uh, in those situations? Would you watch Happy Days, uh, Wonder Woman or Sharks? I mean, it's pretty hard choosing between Wonder Woman or Sharks. But I, I guess I would have had to go with Sharks just because there were lots of other episodes of Wonder Woman I could watch in the future. I, gotta, but I don't know if they were going to be like reruns of sharks. <laughs> and and I mean, it, it's the comparison of, okay, do you want edutainment or you do want, do you want uh Hal Needham second unit car chases? I, I would have to go with a Hal Needham film. Um, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's such a contrast to have Holocaust on one channel and uh shotgun wedding part two on, on, on another. So it viewers definitely had a choice that night. Um, yeah. I was just shocked when I looked into the research, like how controversial it was to have a story about the Holocaust at all on television and people being offended that you're covering the Holocaust on television, like this lowly, cheap, you know, populist medium. You're having a Holocaust show. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's that's changed. There was no such thing as prestige television, I guess, back then. So. Yeah, it's part, partly part of it's the prestige thing, and part of it's also just uh, you know in terms of that the era in which it comes from. I think is yes. television yeah. was a medium that people were trying to do more important things because this comes after Roots, and actually I believe yeah. it's from the same director as Roots, yeah. uh, the Holocaust miniseries, and there were people trying to push the boundaries of what it could be because as the 60s and 70s wore on, that's why we get sitcoms like Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days is because, you know, we start with the great TV Playhouse stuff that, you know, gives us Sidney Lumet, gives us John Frankenheimer, gives these, you know, really talented directors, you know, the starting Mm -hmm. ground. And then we move into, you know, essentially a decade and a half of, you know, just, you know, it's like it's this week on FBI and here, here's the new latest episode of Green Acres, you know. And, and so basically it was just to kick up your feet after a long day at work. And especially at the end of the yeah. 70s, you know, and into the early 80s, you have uh, this whole push of like, well, yeah. the yeah. 70s kind of sucked, yeah. you yeah. know, and the 60s kind of sucked. And it was kind of rough and tumultuous in Vietnam and yeah. MLK, yeah. you know, MLK's passing and Watergate and people uh, don't want to don't want to be reminded of this horrible travesty, which is, you know, part of what I think happens when people say, oh, that's too soon, you know, for a thing. That, yeah, but you know, part- also it is important to like, yeah. even if you don't necessarily want to talk about it, it's kind of important to talk yeah. about it because otherwise, yep. you know, those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. And like, yeah. escapism is all well and good, but also like, you do have to be aware of things. Being able to escape is a privilege in many ways. Well, I would like to point out that um, Fonzie is, was, you know, Fonzie was living in the 1950s. Yeah was a fan of the classy TV shows. Uh, the one show that he admits to watching is uh, Playhouse 90. So, uh, Oh, nice. So Fonzie was a big Playhouse 90 fan, and it's the only show that he would let his dog watch was Playhouse, was Playhouse 90. I miss Sparky. Yeah, poor Sparky. Uh, Spunky. Spunky. I miss Spunky. I miss Spunky. I, I, got, I got his name wrong. I am sorry. I have to turn my card in now. <laughs> Oh, we're gate we're we're gatekeeping you as uh, as Happy Days fans, but um, but anyway, um, yeah, there was there was some there was some crazy stuff playing uh, that night and on Tuesday too. So, um, Phantom Phantom of the Roller Coaster Part Two, I got to endorse that one. That one I have seen, um, not for years, but I have seen it. Um, 
And that's this was the end. This was it for Wonder Woman. So they went out as as far as I'm concerned, they went out on the tippity top. <laughs> so, and they just they went out with it. They went out with a bang. That is amazing. If I had given, been given the choice, I definitely I would have watched Wonder Woman. Uh, uh for the first part, Shotgun Wedding was on, and I, I would have watched uh, the whole uh, Shotgun Wedding Part Two and Benson lineup, which is it's good. But the reason why that lineup never gelled is because those sitcoms just feel like they're from a different world than Laverne Shirley is from. Just not gel. It doesn't gel. That's why it never worked. That's probably why everything bombed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's what happens in the episode. The Cunninghams plus Fonzie are all vacationing near pristine Lake Pinewood for the weekend. Hot and heavy Richie and Lori Beth have agreed to date around all weekend. And with that in mind, Fonzie wants Richie to come with him to a secluded farm to make out with the highly guarded daughters of Trigger Happy Farmer Bumpergard, Helga and Inga. Richie and Fonzie eventually manage to do this by disguising themselves in a cow costume, but the ecstasy of making out with Helga and Inga soon turns to agony when they find themselves chased by an amorous bull. Be stung and injured while running across the farmer's field, they find themselves at the medical mercy of Laverne and Shirley, who, in spite of actual professional training as nurses, manage to make a mess out of healing the boys. Fonzie does reward them by giving them a trip to a campground as they're up the river with Frank and their friends. Fonzie and Richie make the mistake of going back to the scene of the crime, and that's when Farmer Bumpergard catches them. They outmaneuver him, but a dance sequence and a makeout later, they end up held at gunpoint. The farmer suggests a shotgun wedding, which both girls are eager for, but neither guy wants to be hitched to them. Richie and Fonzie blurt out that they can't marry the farmer's daughters, they're engaged to Laverne Shirley. To bolster the lie, Richie breaks away to grab the girls and save Fonzie's life. Laverne and Shirley have their own problems to deal with. Ranging from a beast of burden Carmine to a cranky Frank and Edna to a duck hunting Lenny and Squiggy. When Richie drags him to the farm, the girls stand up for Richie and Fonzie but are forced to participate in a competitive hoedown with the Bubble Guard girls where they can claim the hands of their grooms. But do they want to get married? Will they get married? And what will Carmine think? How do y'all feel about this um, peak in the future? Well, uh, obviously, you know... Th- this was breaking one of the cardinal rules of uh, television, which is don't mess with success. But um, I was wondering, I was trying to find out who was running ABC at that time. Was it Fred Silverman? I think this was just before Fred Silverman moved to NBC. And Fred had been a big success. Uh, he was a big failure at NBC, unfortunately. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Super Train. He, he was the one who gave the world Super Train, right? Yes. Yes. And they relentlessly they relentlessly made fun of Fred oh. Silverman on Saturday Night Live. Uh, they, there was a famous unaired sketch called Inside the Silverman Bunker, uh, which was like Adolf Hitler at the end of the war. They were portray- portraying him as being like Fred Silverman. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it, that's oh, that's kind of ba- funny in a tasteless sort of way. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a – you could almost see the sense of it, you know uh, – Laverne and Shirley had been number one for two years. You know, they want to double down on Laverne and Shirley. Why not try and spread the the success out over a couple of nights, move their number one hit to another night and maybe build up the Thursday night yeah. lineup. Uh, but obviously it, it backfired. And then 
Yeah. You know, they couldn't get it back. So that's kind of sad for everybody. Yeah. yeah Sorry about that. Uh, just to quickly, because I have a research research note. Uh, Fred Silverman had just left to go to CB, uh, NBC in 1978. Uh, so it was uh, after after his tenure. Yeah. So, Fred, you're off the hook for this one. Uh, super, super Train, I guess, is still on your uh, resume there. But uh, this move, we can't blame that on poor Fred. Um but whoever it was, I'm I'm sure there was there must have been firings among the middle managers at ABC probably over this stuff. Somebody must have lost their jobs over this, right? Yeah. That's how it works, oh, yeah. Right? oh yeah. I would certainly certainly would hope so. Yeah. So I, somebody had to have been removed. Something had to have happened. What I don't know what happened in the hierarchy, but man, yeah, they slaughtered that golden goose. I think only the Winter Olympics saved them there. But yeah, it was it was a sad thing for everybody. Um, ABC got a little greedy, and uh, it ended up a disaster for them. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I thought about it. Uh, it's a mess. It ultimately is a mess. It killed the Golden Goose, which really stinks. Yeah, and you know, and it ruined the trajectory of Laverne Shirley in a lot of ways. Uh, Happy Days managed to recover to a degree, and it goes up and down and up and down. The cut, and the, and the cut quality goes in and out, in and out, in and out. So, yeah, it's a mess. It is just an un- a totally qualified disaster. Well, disaster. disastrous TV shows make for good podcasting. Yes, nice. they do. Oh, the, of course they do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, the the amount of gossip we get to talk about on night after night is. <laughs> Is one of the highlights I'd like to say. Oh uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> we try, we, we tried to like keep it honed in on what the heck was going on backstage, combined with what the heck was going on uh, when uh, on screen, and you can compare what was going on in the writers' room to what happens happening on screen. But yeah, that that is what happened, and that is uh, the disaster that we uh, that for, that stares us right in the face as we open the season with both barrels. Indeed, indeed, with both barrels flying. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Uh, this two-parter was directed and written by two entirely different factions of writers on both shows, which is interesting because you can definitely tell the difference in tone between uh, a Laverne Shirley episode and a Happy Days episode. If you watch these two shows sandwiched in a single entity mm-hmm. and watch it for a whole hour, it's really interesting. I was wondering what you guys uh, thought, watching them back to back. Well, it was it certainly, it was more slapsticky in the second half of it. Uh, it was certainly a much uh, broader, even sillier yeah. uh, form of humor in the second one. But uh, this part one is already pretty broad for Happy Days because you have uh, Henry Winkler and Ron Howard in a cow suit uh, yeah. running around. Um, and then, of course, you have the big scene where uh, Laverne and Shirley are tending to the injuries of the Fonz and Richie and they're pulling the boots off and tending to the bee stings and everybody's falling all over each other. And uh, And there's, there, there's one particular moment, very suggestive moment where it looks like where Laverne is just draped over Richie's body. 
yeah, keeping him warm because she, you know, she doesn't want him to go into shock, you know? Right. Yes. Um, so it was, I, yeah. I had, I had to make a animated gif of that, like immediately <laughs> as, as soon as I watched the episode, it's like, oh yeah, that's happening. So yeah. yeah um, it, hey, innuendo works for three's company. It can work for happy days. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It definitely so works for the Definitely. So I think uh, I think Happy Days was trying to be a little bit more like Laverne and Shirley this week. They were going for a little bit crazier story than they normally do. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I wonder if I may if part of the reason for that is because the script for the Happy Days segment was written by Fred Fox Jr., who got his start through um, a connection with his father. Uh, knew uh, knew Gary Marshall, and he was set, and he, so he got the gig writing. Excuse me, may I cut in? And apparently that went over so well when it was recorded that Gary brought him on as a story editor, you know, for Happy Days. Yeah, Fred Fred Jr. was really one of Gary's most trusted lieutenants. Uh, I think he had Fred in some capacity on every, practically every show that he did. Uh, he was on Joni Loves Chachi and Who's Watching the Kids, uh, which was, well... To us, who's watching the kids is still happening as we're as we're discussing season six, and I think Fred remained loyal to the uh, Happy Days brand. I think he worked even on the uh, reunion special, and uh, recently on Twitter we were trying to uh, identify everyone on the uh, Happy Days uh, softball reunion team. Uh, if you saw that picture, and I think Fred was even there. So, uh I don't know. I think Fred would do whatever he was assigned to do. And, uh, you know, I think Fred was uh, a utility infielder, basically, for Gary. I think he would write whatever the tone required. So certainly, uh, especially if it even comes down to being the the man who has the uh, has the notoriety of having written Hollywood part three. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about that uh, three parter on our show and. I personally feel that its uh, infamous reputation is perhaps undeserved. I was going to say that I, I think the, that three-parter is actually, once you turn your brain off, it's actually a lot of fun. I, I do think Happy Days got less good over time, but I don't think that's because of Hollywood Part 3. Like, Hollywood Part 3 is just a, a fun, goofy episode. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that its its reputation is kind of undeserved. I, I It's harmless. There's... I mean, I think more damage was done to the Happy Days brand by the episode where Fonzie goes blind uh, than the one. Oh, my God. That just gave me a freaking flashback. Oh, wow. I vividly remember that episode. And there's really only so mad you can get about an episode where Fonzie water ski jumps over a shark set to music that kind of sounds like the Always Sunny in Philadelphia background music. <laughs> I have vivid childhood memories of that episode, and I don't know why that specific episode always sticks out to me, but I really, really remember that one. Oh, you'll remember it. Uh, it's very memorable, but I don't think in any good ways. So yeah. I think if anything damaged, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna blame uh, that episode more, more so than... Uh, than jumping the shark. I hate that phrase, by the way. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't even call our episode that. I, I, I call our episode, I think, Shump the Shark, because I didn't <laughs> want to say jump the, sh- jump the shark. So. I will say that even like some of the worst episodes of Happy Days are better than some of the worst episodes of Laverne and Shirley, because there's some doozies in season eight. There's... <laughs> There's some doozies in season eight. Uh, there's Bully Show, which we have watched and both loathe. 
there's Road to Burbank, which is uh, a very uh, reputation in the fandom for a lot of reasons, and we'll get to that in a while. But yeah, I I will always say that at least Happy Days has a great ending. At least it yeah. is. Yeah, it's a beautiful ending. It's consistent. Uh, you continuously care about these characters all the way through the show, I, for the most part, from what I've seen, what I can remember. And honestly, altogether, it hangs together nicely. From start to finish, it yeah. seems to work. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would say that the, the even the last few seasons have a certain dignity to them. Okay. And... Uh, I think st- stuff in the last season, like Richie's return uh, and the passages of yeah. two-parter are both very well handled and uh, treat the characters with a lot of respect. So, yeah. And, and also great is the, the one where Fonzie, uh, Fonzie meets a ghost. Oh yeah. Might, yeah. Not just be a dream. Yeah. yeah. And he learns a lesson about not being too nostalgic, which is kind of funny coming from happy yeah. days but yeah it, it took him the whole series to learn that nostalgia is a death trap and it can be a literal a literal death trap he yeah. almost uh, he almost dies in his dream because of being too nostalgic <laughs> he almost gets hit by a train oh, but um this episode i mean this shotgun wedding two-parter this is as uh, frivolous as it gets really um i think this might well, i mean aside from Aside from the attempted death by shotgun, yeah, yeah. I guess so. even, even even then, it's still very like Yosemite Sam, Elmer Fudd kind yeah. of violence. Oh though. yeah, yeah. We're we're definitely in cartoon territory. Yeah, uh, it reminded me of uh, things like Snuffy Smith, yeah. uh, the comic strip, and maybe maybe Little Abner or something. It's a, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, the. The, the the farmer and his daughters in this episode are basically whatever the Wisconsin version of rednecks are. Yeah. yeah. By the way, did, are, are those girls supposed to have grown up in Wisconsin, or or are they? Uh, how long have Helga and Inga been living in Wisconsin? Because they both certainly have the accent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess they grew up isolated on that farm with their dad. Yeah, I guess with their only their their only the uh, the dad teaching them English. Yeah. Uh, so they well, it's speaking anecdotally. I I know somebody who grew up in in America here and grew up in the you know and as an actor that I've worked with and they they, they their family is Vietnamese and they only really spoke vietnamese in the house and and so you know her accent still you know still pretty thick you know she, it's gotten better she's really worked on it for her uh, for her craft and it, it's one of those just i noticed that it just depends like it can happen in these sort of isolated communities now what that makes me then wonder is we're talking about wisconsin rednecks does that mean that wisconsin rednecks are all like these sort of like weird out of out of the past sort of like you know first generation uh you know immigrants to the united states that they all like you know they're only like a generation separated from i don't know the 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 immigrant characters you know making their way westward in heaven's gate or something <laughs> like i don't know well these uh, I guess yeah these uh these accents which i guess are supposed to be swedish uh i, I yeah, would say- I- I are pretty far into the realm of uh, stereotype or sketch comedy type accents that I don't think that they're – there was a comedian uh, who called himself Yogi Jorgensen in the 50s, and he would – you know, he talked like this, but that was all a character that he was playing. Uh, he would say things like, yompin yimini, you know, that kind of stuff. So this is very, very much in that vein. Uh, so that's why I was wondering, like, did Helga and Inga learn English off of old comedy records or did they go to school at all? 
why? It wouldn't have been old comedy records for them at the time. I guess no. I mean, they would have been new comedy records. They would have been listening to Yogi Jorgensen's records as as soon as they came, as, as soon as they got there. Or how were they getting them? But um, also, if the dad is so conservative, like why are why are his daughters like in like Daisy Dukes and like yeah. cut off blouses and stuff? Like yeah, it's it's like you're, you're going he... to give the, you're going to give the boys driving by some big right wrong ideas here. <laughs> Yeah. And where did Helga learn how to dance? Because yeah. in this episode, she does like this straight up Broadway dance routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like something yeah. you'd see in like the Zigfield Follies. Yeah. And where did she learn how to do that? Did she come up with all of that herself? Which is very impressive if it is. Yeah. yeah. And incredibly anachronistic too. Yeah. yeah. It's very Julie Newmar is what I was going to say. It's very Julie Newmar and it's very... I feel, perhaps they're getting influenced by things that are outside their sphere. I mean, Fonzie knows about them somehow. So yeah, it's so, possible. Well, I mean, stuff doesn't in. he know about them because of the because of the newspaper clipping about their father murdering a Tupperware yeah. salesman? True. Yeah, true, or true. the really shooting assault. Uh, assaulting was a deadly weapon. At least, yeah, de- yeah. Yes. The, the salesman, I hope, is alive. I don't think there's a straight up murderer on. <laughs> I don't think they'd go that far with it. But um, I mean, it would be. It certainly. Would, I, I don't know. I would certainly watch the show more often. But that's just me. <laughs> Chris. Oh so, dear. Uh, uh, I, I just had wanted to quickly to chime in. Um, you know, as we're sort of getting into it, so because we're also getting also into like sort of the premise and kind of the, the ludicrousness of the premise. It's just I remember Lisa and I were talking about this. Is like this whole setup is that is the desperation of Fonzie. <laughs> To, you know, when he's out on this trip, and I guess they're going to be gone for like a week, I guess, is yeah. is sort of the what's implied in the Lori Beth conversation. Yeah. But I, it's like... Weekend. She says weekend. She says weekend. 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 That's what okay. I thought. Like, and that was why I was so baffled by the early scene where she's like, you'll be okay with me dating, right? You know, like, you're yeah. apart for a weekend. <laughs> like, are you like that desperate for... Well, then I think they wanted to give Richie like plausible deniability so that he yeah. can pursue other girls yeah. over this long weekend yeah. i guess i guess they're that sexually charged both richie and Lori beth that they have to okay so apparently by season seven richie and Lori beth have an open relationship more or less which is probably a good which might be a good thing because like an earlier episode established that richie gets like super pissy and jealous every time Lori beth so much as looks at another guy and then in another episode, he cheats on her with another girl and lies to her about it. So, like... Yeah, and then not not too long after they settled that uh, difference, uh, when Richie has to... They basically had to break up and start over again uh, after Richie cheats on her. Uh, then he kisses other girls uh, but as part of a science experiment. It's, it's a whole thing. Um, oh, Lord. <laughs> they are like Happy Days Carmine and Shirley. Yeah, so like, oh yeah. you know, yeah. maybe they maybe they shouldn't be in a relationship at all. Yeah, that's yeah, a good maybe. point. Because one gets the sense that Lori Beth can and should do way better than Richie. It's health. It's healthier in this episode than it is in Date with a Razorhead. At oh least. God, yeah, yeah, true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Because at least uh, in when it comes to Carmine and Shirley, uh, they have this like push pull. Uh, are we dating? Are we not dating? How dare you look at that man? Or dare you look at that woman? Oh, I can't. Don't care if you look at that man or woman. I'm dating here. You're dating there. Uh, it's so inconsistent over five seasons that you're utterly confused as to what the heck's going on. 
percent, 90% of the time. Well, I wondered that in this episode because um, when Shirley finds out that she is going to be forced to marry Richie, she doesn't even really seem that concerned about Carmine. Like, oh, I'll tell Carmine later and yeah. I'll break it to Lori Beth. Like, like yeah. it's not a big deal to her. Like, she's kind of into it. And Laverne is, of course, also kind of into the idea yeah. of marrying Fonzie. So, um, Laverne is yeah, way she, into it. Laverne is way yeah, into is. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's way into Laverne it. Laverne is going to get laid. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a yeah. lot of it. He's hot. He's a, he's hot and he's Italian. He's hot and he's Italian, so she's super happy. Exactly. And also with the the Shirley aspect is that Shirley is um so into kind of the fantasy. She always has to build these realities in her head, and so in her mind, everything's going to be fine because I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and everything's going to be perfect. Because that was like the whole. We've talked about this a lot on Night After Night about how that's kind of the whole thing from her mom is her mom would like give her sort of like these instructions of how to be happy. And, you know, you see that it doesn't make her happy. It's not what she wants to do. And so it's like, it's a way of her rewriting the script, you know, but like, it's, I mean, that gets really heavy, but it's like, that's the, (laughs) but like, that's where it it makes a lot of sense to me that she's, you know, she's into it and, you know, and and her and Richie do have chemistry. I mean, I, you know, the excuse you may have cut in is an adorable episode. So it's like, she could, she could do worse college boy and all that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Richie will be less of a controlling asshole to her than he can be to Lori Beth. <laughs> Gosh, uh, the whole romantic brohaha here is kind of amazing because there's even this bit where the only reason the uh, the marriage isn't completely set in cement is because Lenny is eavesdropping on what's happening. Yeah, otherwise, uh, Lenny and Squiggy don't really seem to have much reason to be on this trip at all. Nope, uh, nope, not, not at all. I'm not exactly sure. They're funny because, uh, yeah. you know, they have some lines when they come in and they're going on what looks like safari. Yeah. They look like they're going big game hunting or something. And then they just come into uh, sort of the deus ex machina at the end of the yeah. uh, part two. Uh, but... Yeah, otherwise, I, I'm not sure what function they serve in this story. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much that's that's kind of so we're, you know, uh, as of this recording right now, Lisa and I are a few episodes into watching episode uh, season five. And that's kind of seeming to become a trend. Like there's always sort of like they're sort of like a they they kind of flanderize is maybe too much of a term for, for right now, at least where they're at currently. But they definitely like figure out what their sort of general function is, which is to create a certain amount of comedy yeah. and then just kind of insert them into, into the different stories at this point. And uh, it might just be that, you know, they, they needed something to, to take place or, you know, there were other ideas that got trimmed down. Um, the thing about, by the way, the safari outfits is I believe, and Lisa can confirm this, uh, confirm or deny, uh, that I think Lenny's outfit at least is the one he had as the big game hunter from uh, Call Me a Taxi, I believe. It definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah, so that's definitely in that range. But uh, because the thing is, what they say is ostensibly their point of being there is we're going to start, we have the scheme to start a, what is it, a duck zoo of some sort? Oh, yeah. <laughs> duck circus. I thought duck they wanted circus. to start some duck, duck circus. Duck circus. That's what it is. I don't, it didn't have that exactly in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> and Shirley finds the idea ridiculous, but Laverne, like, she's kind of impressed by yeah. it and she it seems genuinely interested in seeing a bearded duck. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. which I love. It's very yeah. endearing. 
Laverne is always on the side of the boys. She's almost almost a third of, of them when they're in a group together. She she's almost always on the side. Almost almost always rather hang out with them. Uh, insert my Laverne Lenny feels here. <laughs> <laughs> they're everywhere but especially even here there's a little bit of it I mean he's deliberately interfering when she's about to marry Fonzie which she kind of wants but he apparently doesn't want it to happen <laughs> I was going to point out the fact that after all this after all of this the girls are satisfied with the wedding picture they just want a souvenir of everything they've been through I think that's like funny in mm-hmm. some way I was going to mention the fact that the slapstick here, the slapstick in the scene where we have our hoe down is incredible. This is a... Oh, it, sorry, go ahead. It, 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 it reminded me a lot of like something out of a Jackie Chan movie yeah. because it's, mm-hmm. it's slapstick, yes. but it's also an action scene. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It, they even credited the choreographer this time. It was a Bob Thompson. Oh. Um, who I Bob was Thompson. Not- you did good. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I have to say that the uh, square dance caller was certainly uh, giving some bad instructions to those <laughs> dancers. He was always telling them like throw them over the fence and stuff. Like what do you think? That, what did you think they were going to do? So it, I think they were getting the worst of it. I think that uh, I think the the. I don't know that the uh, square dance caller was being entirely honest there. I don't know what where he was coming up with these moves, but because yeah. they would always do some sort of physically abusive act that was yeah. exactly what the square dance ca- caller told them to do. So yeah. I thought that was strange. Yeah, well, yeah, but then Laverne and Shirley made a comeback. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so I guess he started. I guess the square dance caller started rooting for them instead. Well, uh, you always gotta. You always root for the underdog, and they suddenly became the underdog real quick. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but by the way, did you look into the the careers of the 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 actresses playing the of Helga and Inga at all? Yes, I did, and I have some some interesting factoids about the two of them. So, uh, oh, cool. Vicky Fed- uh, yeah, Vicky Fedrick played as Helga. Uh, she would later show up in the Marshall verse on Mork and Mitty as Sutra oh. in Mork versus the Necrotrons, which I just love that title. <laughs> Uh, but, but although I, I know that episode can not be anywhere near as badass as that episode name. Uh, <laughs> she was also another of the actors who was on the Mosselverse show that somehow ended up in Dream On later down the road. So oh. go figure. Uh, every once in a while, you know, we'll come across them. It's like, oh, they were in an episode of Dream On. I don't know what the connection was. Michael. Michael's oh, in the Oh, right. Show. <laughs> uh, the... Um, Anyway, so due to the dancing background for Vicky, she was uh, she was a menage partner in all that jazz, as well as a small kind of a low key seat level supporting role in chorus line. But my one of my favorite things, and this because this is now I think the second or third time we've had been able to bring this up on Knife tonight, she ended up in Body Rock, which oh I, at least God. is the second time. It's been second time it's been name dropped. Well, I, I noticed delightful. I noticed she'd also been in the movie Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. Oh man! Oh, oh God. wow! Did, did I miss? I missed that. Damn Which, it! Why uh, did, well, the, why that stood out to me was that um, I used to be on a zombie movie podcast, and I once wrote a little song called uh, "Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town," sung to the tune of "Allentown" by Billy Joel. Uh, where Chopper <laughs> Chicks in oh, Zombie wow. Town. That's great. So, um, <laughs> And I did a whole plot summary of that movie. I, I don't remember. I don't know who Vicky Frederick actually played in that movie, but um, yeah, yeah, it was. She had kind of an interesting career. Um, so by the way, what is their what is their last name? What is the family's last name? I tried to spell it. Bumpergard. 
Boopergard. I think it's Boopergard. Boopergard. Yeah. Yeah. I presume it's the U in there. It starts off with the U. I, mm-hmm. I had it as B U M P R B U M P E R G A R D bumper guard. But uh, yeah, that's I what I had to. Yeah. Bumper guard. Well, sometimes they say it in, in uh, sometimes they say it in a more normal way, and then sometimes they really exaggerate it. Bumper guard, you know. So sometimes they just say it as bumper guard, and sometimes they say bumper guard. And these episodes also have a narrator that I've never heard on any other episodes. Who is this guy? I was wondering I think, if anybody had an answer to that. I was so confused. Yeah, for, for a second I thought maybe it was Al, but. But no, it's not him. It just sounds a little bit like him. And then he, we never find out. Yeah, normally they bring He's Al with them guy. on these trips, and then or or they write a letter to Al, and then Al will read a, a like a postcard or something. Uh, but this time they didn't bring anybody with them on the trip uh, to do the narrating. So there's just this narrator guy who's, I think, in both episodes uh, that they never identify and we never know who he was. So, And he's not credited. So, Yeah. Normally, if there's a voiceover on Laverne Shirley when you, you had to link together two parts, one of the cast members does it. Uh, Michael McKeon does it for uh, Mirror on the Moose Jaw Express with an English accent, which is going to be a treat. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's him. Oh, man, looking forward to that. It's one of his first British accents that he gets to try out. He wasn't any, this wasn't any actor that I recognized by voice. Um, we haven't actually talked about F. William Parker as uh, father, as the farmer. Uh, yeah, Vernon. Uh, Vernon. Yeah. Vernon yeah. Boomperdard. I, I keep wanting to call him Vernon in earnest voice. Know what I mean, Vernon? <laughs> A royal banner. And I think I think that guy F. William Parker. I think basically he's still working, or he has been working mm-hmm. within the last few years. So he's still yeah. at it, still going. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it was him. active active as of 2018. It looks like. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, like Revenge of the Nerds, Lost Highway, Terms of Endearment is what he's most known for. But uh, the dude was in the Chimera episode of X Files back in the 90s. Oh, wow. so it's like, yeah. Okay, that is so cool. So yeah, that guy has a pretty cool resume. Uh, the only other person we haven't talked about uh, was Will Hunt as the preacher. Oh, mm-hmm. he, I, he was well. I, I mentioned him because both he and F. William Parker were on a Western show called Paradise that I have no memory of at all. But um, they're both on a Western show that lasted like three or four seasons huh. that I have no memory of at all in the eighties. It was would have been odd to have a Western on TV at that time, but uh, they were both on it. So I wondered if they shared war stories from being on Laverne and Shirley or something. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, my the one thing I had to point out about Will Hunt is he was uh, he has a he got a you know TV roles here and there, including a couple of spots on Hello Larry, and I wanted to give a quick Portland represent for that one. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Hello Larry. The... Joanna Gleason was on that show. Oh yeah, cool. yeah, and George Mamoli from. Uh, Phantom of the Paradise is in and, this one. Yeah, and so who cool. and he also was uh was it uh was it uh, they call him Uncle Tom, I think. Yeah. The the guy who ran the kids' shoe store yes, in the cruise yes, yes, part one. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of one of four people I think we've seen so far from Phantom of the Paradise who end up in Laverne and Shirley in some way or another. So many connections. Oh, cool. So cool. Yeah. It I my theory is it's because Cindy was friends with uh, Francis and Francis was friends with De Palma, is my theory. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, I I always feel if you've ever seen uh, the credits to Hello Larry, which has a great theme song, uh, the footage they got of George for the credits is like so unflattering looking. There's a photo <laughs> of him like disco dancing and pointing in the air like um, Travolta, 
And it's like, oh, oh wow. it's just so, it's so bad. And I was like, oh, if I had been him, I wouldn't have wanted that to be on TV every week. So I would have been glad uh, that the show, I think he was, I think I would have been glad that that show was canceled if I had been him. But um, Well, he didn't live too much longer after that anyway. So there is no, that. He didn't. Unfortunately, Aww. George didn't uh, live very long. But um, uh, yeah, uh, some interesting people. Uh, have we talked a little bit about, I, I don't know, do you guys on your podcast, have you talked about uh, Joel Zwick? Yes. Uh, and, yeah, I, especially through season four, I had to dig up a lot of information. I dug up a little more. One of the things I thought was kind of cool, just this is a real quick Joel Zwick thing. Um, this is more of a trivia note than anything else. But, you know, Jerry Paris obviously did Happy Day, the Happy Day side because it's Jerry Paris. This guy was yeah. Mr. Happy Day's director. And what's kind of cool is you get to you know also see the differences in the directing where Jerry has very snappy vaudevillian style um, dialogue. And then Joel was like really into like the physical side of the, you know, directing set pieces. And what's interesting, though, is the similarity they have is they both got their start in show business as actors because because uh, Joel's uh, Joel took acting classes in college and for comedy. And it kind of was like a one thing led to another. And he sort of like practically took a dare like saying like I could do that about directing sitcoms and that's how he got his first sitcom gig and then obviously um this is novel knowledge for us on on yeah. night after night but yeah Jerry Paris you know had roles in B you know both B movie gems like Drive a Crooked Road which is freaking excellent yeah. film noir and then other high caliber films like oh you know The K Mutiny Marty which is apparently the shortest Oscar winning film of all time so I adore Marty you know oh I adore that movie I I was I was hype to learn that Joel Zwick had directed uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I couldn't yeah. believe that. That seemed like a very bizarre... Like, I, Wait, is he Greek? I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think so. But he also, no, did, uh, but he also directed the Fat Albert movie. Oh, yeah, he was, did. Yeah, yes. I know. I remember that. I was, that kind of blew my mind. Uh, yeah. Directed yeah. both Fat Albert and Big Fat Greek Wedding. That's what I call mm-hmm. a career. Cool. Right there. Oh, yeah. And not to mention also uh, many, many, many episodes of uh, Girl Meets World and um, Full House as well, I believe. Okay, that's good. Did, did, did he direct the episode of Girl Meets World that's like anti-communism? Oh, that's a good question. I bet you. And he did 24 episodes across three years. I, well, I'm trying to look through these episode titles and I have no clue. Well, I, uh, if, if, we're talking about the career, if we're talking about the career of Jerry Paris, the one thing that I want to promote that uh, Jerry directed and Gary Marshall wrote was a made-for-TV movie called Evil Roy Slade. And if people have not checked out Evil Roy Slade, oh my gosh, should they ever. Uh, it, mm. it is a truly off-the-wall uh, comedy western starring John Astin from The Addams Family as uh, a western bad man, uh, bank robber type guy. It's really, really funny and... Uh, Happy Days fans should definitely watch it. It was something that uh, Gary and Jerry worked on right yeah. before Happy Days. So definitely check out Evil Roy Slade. It's very easy to find. I will say that. Cool. That's, good. That's on my list of right things on. to watch. I haven't watched it. But- oh, snap. And uh, just a real quick note about that film. Uh, so Lisa, uh, a, a guest actor we've got coming up on an episode in a few a few weeks, also is featured on uh, in Evil Roy Slade. Oh, cool. Mr. Dick Sean. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, what? The reason why I knew that film so well was it was one of my father's favorite films. Uh, he would quote lines from it, and he would act out little scenes from Evil Roy Slade. He would pretend to be Evil Roy Slade when he was playing with his kids. And uh, so I saw it, and then 
it turned out to have all these Happy Days connections that turned out to be written by Gary and directed by Jerry. So, you know, I, uh, that was that was sorry. a great thing. That was a great discovery. And so uh, one of these days, Peter, uh, I'm going to guilt you into watching Evil Roy Slade. <laughs> it sounds great. That is one hell of a title. I was going to say Carol Ida White is in there. I do believe she's in that. Oh, cool. Wait, in um, Evil, Roy Evil, Slade. Uh, yeah. Evil Roy Slade as well? Yeah, she's in that. I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh my gosh. I do occasionally, I, I do occasionally uh, guilt Peter into watching uh, Gary Marshall related stuff. And uh, I, I think I even tried, I, I think I even got you to watch Angie. And I think there was not too much enthusiasm Aww. on your part for Angie. Yeah, Angie was a... I haven't watched Angie yet. Me. The, the main thing I remember about Angie is that it has the guy from Airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, good old, good old it, it, it wasn't terrible. All I remember about it is that it has the guy from Airplane giving a performance like he's a serial killer. Oh, dear. oh. So he's very serious. He, that's really all I remember about it. I think it. he's very, very serious. In the, but he's meant to be like the serious one to Donna Pescow's um, yeah. more flamboyant one, I guess. Um, well, yeah. And like that, that, that works. Like his seriousness works really well in Airplane because like it, it's got all these wet. It's an extremely wacky movie where almost everyone is playing it straight. But in Angie, it just comes across as incredibly, incredibly awkward. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, what about you guys? Are you, have you, are you guys real familiar with Angie? Did you watch it? Were you, were you fans of it? Did you enjoy it? I was, but never, never sorry, seen sorry. it. <laughs> I was, but a wee twinkle no. in my parents' eyes when the show came, uh, on the airwaves. Um, but, I have like seen one episode of it. I've been meaning to watch it since it has its origin point in a Rosie Greenbaum spinoff that never took off. Oh, cool. Well, I only watched it because of this, uh, this podcast. I was like, I was trying to watch all the other Gary Marshall shows. And eventually I got to this show, Angie. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. I wonder what Peter will think of this. And Peter didn't think much. of oh, it. So. Oh, well, <laughs> Uh, it does have Dor- it does have Doris Roberts in it as uh, Angie's mom, and yeah, um, yeah it, uh, you know from um, Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who she is. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And and the Honeymoon Killers. She's also in a movie called The Honeymoon Killers, which is a great oh film. man, yeah. It's another one of the many ones I I know I need to get around to seeing because oh it's, definitely it's, watch yeah. that yeah definitely watch the Honeymoon Killers. She plays the Honeymoon Killer. She plays the main killer's friend. So. Uh, she's nice. great. She's great in it. So, uh, if that, what have we, what have we covered about shotgun wedding? Part? Some stuff. I've got, I got, I got some stuff to say. <laughs> so uh, go ahead. There's something amazingly desperate and interesting about the two of them cramming themselves into a cow suit in an attempt to get to these girls <laughs> in, a, in a cow. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> they were so desperate to get to Helga and Inga that they dressed up like this. This was before the movie Top Secret, so this was uh, maybe Top Secret ripped off <laughs> this idea from... Yeah. Do you think Fonzie and Richie invented fursuits? <laughs> mm. I mean, they would be... I mean, it would definitely stand to reason a little bit, you know. I mean, it's, uh, it's. I, I mean, because that's the thing, right? Is you know, when it comes to TV, there's often The Simpsons did it, but yeah. you know, in many cases, Happy Days did it. Yeah. So maybe Happy Days did it first. Well, the most- the, I will say. I was going to say regarding the cow suit, though, is that I was amazed at how coordinated they actually were inside yeah, of those, that thing. Yeah. Pro- props to Ron Howard. He is able to like keep up with Henry and 
Uh, I don't know how he was telling, how we could tell where he was going, but he does seem to get around very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most uncomfortable aspect of this, of this, though, are all the jokes. So many jokes yeah. about uh, bulls and what end of the of the cow that Richie is on. And yeah, yeah, so it, uh... God dang many oh. jokes about Richie being I yeah. think sexually assaulted by the bull is that yeah. the joke here yeah so um, kind of yeah it's it's leading in that direction yeah. it, thankfully it was the bees yeah. that sting him but yeah. you know that maybe that's a euphemism yeah. but gonna, uh but I mean there's but the, the yeah there's the joke but it was go ahead I was just gonna say hey on the bright side the Fonz is too cool to fart so at least there's that <laughs> yes he does not he, he does not so but they're gonna say like well, what if a bull comes up after us? He said, and, you know, Fonzie says, you know, considering what side of the bull you're on, I'd make friends with him. So I was thinking, oh, okay, so that's the joke. So that the bull is going to, by the way, isn't it bizarre? It, season six and begins with Fonzie uh, fighting a bull yeah. or, or riding a bull. And then season seven, they're being chased by a bull. Yeah. So I guess like... It's bulls at the beginning of every season now. I, guess. I mean, does, does it does it keep going until the matador spits? <laughs> I guess. Okay, that it's was not another, over okay. until the matador spits. Okay, that was another thing. Obviously, that is a parody of uh, "It ain't over till the fat lady sings," right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that expression goes back to like the '30s or the '40s or something, and I could only trace it back to like 1975. So that would have been a fairly new thing to say. How is that possible? Oh, <laughs> it's forget it, Jake. It's 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 Marshall verse. <laughs> I, guess, I guess so, but didn't you think that that didn't you think that expression like the first like the second caveman probably said that to the first caveman or something? I I thought it went back. To oh, like, that's what you say. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's like it seems like the kind of a phrase that would have been around longer. Yeah, yeah, but it was apparently a '70s phrase. I had no idea. It doesn't sound like Weird. a 70s phrase. It sounds like something maybe from the 30s or 40s or something, yeah. but it didn't sound like a 70s phrase. But I don't know. Yeah. You know the, 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 I, I don't know if any – were any of us alive during the 70s? I was not. I was not. I was, I was not. I was at the end of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because like my thinking is – because whenever I hear like someone say, keep on trucking, I'm just like, the hell are they talking about? You know. And yet it's like well, – and okay. like, I mean, I've seen – and I've seen the shirts and I've seen, you know, it's use in things. And my mom told me about it when I was seven and all that. And so it's like, well, okay, this is, I don't get it, but fine. You know, so that's what I mean. Yeah. Because just, it's like, that's the interesting thing also about this episode and about, as you're saying, like these kind of weird, like associations, right? You know, you, you kind of get these layers of this thing reminds you of this thing, reminds you of this thing. And that's, but like certain things stick. And, you know, the, I guess that's the thing about that, that phrase, the use of the phrase, it ain't over till the matador spits. Um, it, like it sounds like something that you know is almost made for the show, yeah. so I'm actually surprised that it even existed. It's it's some sort of nomenclature before then. Well, if it hadn't, that would have been a very surreal thing to have said, <laughs> and that for for both Fonzie and Laverne to have both said they both knew that expression. But, but true, or maybe uh, true enough, but. It, but but you remember Penny right behind Penny is that backdrop that's got the weird ass freaking scene because the production designers probably had to throw that set together in like a day. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody else notice that? It's not the most convincing outdoor scene I've ever no. seen. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, did anybody but me uh, like try to pay attention to the what music the the square dance band was playing? Did anybody recognize recognize the songs? Kind of sound. I heard uh, turkey in the straw in there. 
Turkey in the Straw is definitely that. And during during the wedding proper, they were playing uh, the wedding march, the yeah. you know the Wagner, yeah. the, the Wagner yeah. thing. But the square dance music, I heard uh, Old Joe Clark, Fare Thee yeah. Well, Old Joe Clark, Goodbye Betsy Brown, Fare Thee Well. Do you, does anybody know that one? Fare Thee Well, Old Joe nope. Clark, Goodbye. We had to learn that. We had, that's an old old bluegrass song we had to learn it for some reason in elementary school and did, uh did they did, did you have to square dance in gym oh, class and that was what they God, played yes yes we had <laughs> to do that stupid thing uh, thanks a lot henry too. ford i did too yes dead old racist yeah. yes we had to we had to learn square dancing uh <laughs> but i also heard the um you know the arkansas traveler uh which oh. most people might know as the um I'm bringing home a baby, bumblebee, you know, that, uh, that thing. Yeah. And supposedly that was at one time the, the state song of, of Arkansas, but um, why they're playing the... Is it racist? I don't think... Is it racist? Because every time I hear a song that I haven't heard before, and I hear that it used to be a state anthem, I think, okay, how many slurs does it have? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know that... It, well, <laughs> I've only ever heard it... I've, the only time I've ever heard it with lyrics is I'm bringing home a baby bumblebee. Yeah, and that's the stuff I've heard it from. Yeah. Th- that's what I've heard. It. But uh, I didn't even know it was a song beyond that until I saw it on Mystery Science Theater 3000. They, it's in the Junior Rodeo Daredevils. It's oh. the music all through... All, all through oh, Junior yeah. Rodeo. They play the Arkansas Traveler. And gotcha. Okay, so that's what the, okay. So that's why that sounded a bit familiar. Oh. Yeah. So that was I was actually speaking of Mystery Science Theater. I was expecting with the uh, the uh, hoedown caller to to you know to suddenly call out now promenade and oh, you know nice. and then suddenly turn into ab- <laughs> turn into absolute anarchy. Anarchy. And- <laughs> anarchy. Now promenade. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, other than elementary school, Mystery Science Theater is where I got most of my square dancing knowledge from as well. Um, <laughs> But I mean, that's why. But I mean, that's the thing, right? You now have a higher chance of being cool and not a square. Yes, not. A square. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that a bad that pun? Is, I'm but, sorry, Lisa. Uh, that was a good pun. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, by the way, did 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 you talk at all about uh, what was her name? Judy uh, Pioli yeah. Irvin, the writer of the part I'm, two. Uh, I don't know much about her. I was just about to bring her up. Yeah, we've just sorry. Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, she has written a lot of our favorite episodes. Um, she wrote Debutante Ball, which is an excellent episode. Um, she wrote Lenny's Crush. Uh, she co-wrote uh, several other really, really great episodes. And she also appeared on screen as the wonderful Terry Buttafuoco. So oh, cool. Awesome. We love her. Uh, do, you think she brought a, she, do you think she brought a female perspective to this shotgun wedding uh, scenario? Do you think... I- Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah. it's the. Th- I mean, I'll let actually. I'll I'll let Lisa say more about this because I think she's she's studied a lot more about this uh, for the um uh the top the top five for season two. Yeah. But my understanding was that because Judy, I think, was on as a uh, in this in the writing staff like since season one, basically. No, no, she was hired around season two or three. Uh, season two. Okay, season, season two or three. Season okay, two. I'm getting I'm getting mixed I'm getting mixed up with uh, Paula Roth yes, again. Paul Roth. This keeps happening. Yeah, it was Paula Roth. Go ahead. Does, Go it, it. does the system work the same way on Happy Days where sometimes people get script writing credits, but then they just get all these different titles like creative consultant yeah. and like script yeah. consultant and executive producer. And they get all these names other than calling them writers because they don't want to admit that there's like a, a writer's yeah. room, I guess. So they have yeah. to pretend like all these people have consultant or producer yeah. in their name. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that, that happened a lot. On the Vern Shirley, it's a bigger mess because everyone's always fighting the um, writing staff. 
and people were always getting fired and people were always getting rehired and the actors were always fighting with the writers and the writers were always fighting with the actors. Uh, in Laverne Shirley's case, um, since Chris was just bringing this up, uh, there were only two women in the writer's room going through about, I'd say, somewhere in season two when they hired Judy Pioli. Um, one was Paul Roth and one was Deborah uh, Leshen. And that their male colleagues were constantly asking them, you know, get up to get them coffee and junk. So the two of them got t-shirts that said girl writers on it so that people would stop doing that to them. So that happened. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know on, uh, on happy days, Fred Fox jr. The person who wrote uh, part one, he was given all kinds of jobs. He was called story consultant, story yeah. editor, supervising producer. Did yeah. they ever give Judy a, a job title? I think? can't remember. I'm pretty sure. Uh, didn't she become a script supervisor somewhere around uh, season six, Chris? Like, trying to remember. Uh, that is that is yeah. correct. Well, season. Yeah. Okay, so here's so it, it, the title is story editor from 77 to 78 executive story editor from 78 to 79 and executive story consultant from for 1979 which is when she uh basically because uh actually yeah, yeah it looks like season five was her last year at doing that yeah. before she just got would actually just write scripts because yeah. she would she would continue writing on the show uh off and on kind of like a, a couple in season seven one in season six and then one for season eight yeah. so yeah, yeah, it's kind of a so I think her she started to phase out a little bit, you know, to go get other yeah. gigs, I think is part yeah. of it. So with a guy like Fred, so with a guy like Fred Fox Jr., even though he's not necessarily credited as a writer on every single episode, I just assume he's in the room yeah. pitching ideas or, yeah. or fixing up scripts. So uh, I wondered if it was the same way with Judy. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if that's how it went, because I know Michael McKeon on Twitter has repeatedly said, well, versus people being credited as the writers of these episodes, this person put in a line, I made up this line, he's mentioned various things that got thrown into the pot. So it's probably run the same way, the writer's room. Well, I don't know if things have even changed that much on TV, yeah. because I just saw the making of the Eric Andre show, which is about as far from Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley as you can get. Yeah. And they just had a very normal-looking writer's room, and it was just a big table with people like pitching ideas. <laughs> but almost no one was identified in the little making of documentary as writer, they all had like producer, executive consultant, and they all had all these uh, job titles. So yeah. I think that's mm -hmm. still the way television works. Yeah. Um, well, I know in um, South Park kind of had a similar situation when they did that seven days to air documentary. I mean, they had like Bill Hader in there and he's never credited as a writer, but he's coming up with jokes and ideas in the space with them. Yeah. So he said now Bill says he, he came up with a fish sticks joke. So he claims, <laughs> he claims the kind he claims the Kanye West fish stick joke was his idea so yeah I, I don't think any of these people were sometimes these people aren't credited as writers but i think that's what they're basically there to do i think they're basically there to be in the room and uh, pitch ideas and stuff so yeah it, I, that's what i that's what i thought fred fox jr did so even though he's not writing every single episode i think I just, I just think he's part of the creative yeah. team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that seems to it, – it does seem to have happened from what I'm starting to understand. But a lot of it – I will say most of what it comes down to with the writing uh, process is a lot of it's conjecture. Because the like even, for instance, we got sort of confirmation recently or at the very least the implication that when they would do shoots, David Lander and Michael McKeon would basically go to the writer's room in after shooting – 
and punch up the jokes for Lenny and Squiggy yeah. because that was their way of protecting the the characters. Yeah. yeah, because they were the ones who created Lenny and Squiggy yep. and they were the ones who perfected them in like comedy shows yep. and stuff. And they were the ones who basically just got hired to be on Le- Le- Laverne and Shirley as these characters that they created. Yeah. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff about that. Um, first of all, they ended up, because they ended up signing a contract with Paramount, they had to actually go back in and get the rights to the characters back so they could perform them elsewhere after the show. Another thing I was going to say is that at some point, the both of them were kind of quasi-banned from the writer's room because they kept coming in to do this stuff. <laughs> and they were hired as writers originally. Well, yeah. Um, sometimes people, well, you know, Michael was on uh, Saturday Night Live, and that's a show yeah. that's infamous for hiring people supposedly as performers but kind of expecting them to write too even if they don't get credited as writers so his experience um, on that show was super interesting by the way the way he's talked about it and he said well i met a lot of interesting people and um the stuff i did manage to get on air was good but on the other hand you know you kept on getting called in to go play uh david spade's dad basically and sketches and he kept and he kept if, on if we, uh yeah sorry if we got nothing from his time on saturday night live other than him portraying elvis costello yes. i think it's the only time we've ever get to see uh michael mckean's elvis costello impression yes. which is great so i was i was glad that he got that on the air somewhere so yeah. it wasn't yeah. a total loss it wasn't, and he plays Lenny at least twice. Yes, 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 he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. In the wonderful uh, "Welcome Back, Connor" Pulp Fiction sketch, which Chris loves. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great sketch. You're gonna die. I mean, I'm, I'm a nerd enough that I can even. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's okay. Yeah. I'm just, no, it's, it's just always I love bringing up that I was enough of a Tarantino nerd as a teenager that I can even recognize they got some of the guns right that they used oh. the, uh, w- the the Smith and Wesson has semi-automatic that was used in um, both uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction quite a bit. Yeah. That, that was even one of the guns that uh, I think it's the one that uh, Lenny pulls yes. out, and it's like, yes, this is. And then he bites it. So it's like okay, and, and he also gets, yeah, he, he also gets to be Lenny. Him. He he also gets to be Lenny in the, the sketch where. Um, Phil Hartman is saying his goodbye. Yes. yes. That's very sweet. So the goodbye sketch, yes. uh, uh, his, like, um, I think Michael's line is something like, so long, farewell, I have to get up early. I don't have a character yet, but I was on Laverne and Shirley, and he's yep. dressed up as Lenny, and then he dances off. Yep. Uh, so it wasn't... It wasn't a total yeah. loss. Um, I remember him specifically talking about being asked to play Bill Clinton. And he's sitting there in the chair and he looks over at Lauren and goes, you know, we can just fucking re- take the sketch off before we actually <laughs> go on. He was not confident in this Clinton. He did not want to play Clinton. He said something to that, that general Mien is what he said. He did not want to be Clinton and thought his impression was blah. I forgot who, was, I guess Daryl Hammond would have been playing Clinton at that time. Yeah, Somebody. He- he came between Phil Hartman, I think. I think it was Phil Hartman and Daryl Hammond did playing Clinton, and uh, it was not an enviable position, basically. No, he but... did not like it. Anyway, um, so getting things back back into the, I wanted to get things back into the episode a bit because <laughs> yes. um, okay. I, I, I'm going back through my notes, and there was a uh, there was actually a question that I had for for y'all about uh, from a Happy Days perspective. So 
Laverne and Shirley does pretty much everything on soundstage. And I remember Happy Days, as the years went on, they did a lot more location shooting. They would do more exteriors, you know, farms. And this is obviously with Shotgun Wedding is quite a bit. Um, was this specifically during this time where they just doing more in general? Like, or was this still kind of rare for them to actually do the shoots on the farm as an example? Well, they do that for uh, big events. They tend to do that at the beginnings of seasons. Um you know, at the beginning of season five, uh, they took the, the cast and heck at the beginning of season four, they took the cast on location at the beginning of season five, they took the cast on location at the beginning of season six, they took the cast on location. Um, they will use location footage in odd ways. Uh, sometimes they'll take the cast actually down to the real happy days house, for instance, yeah. uh, on Cahuenga in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Not that it's far from Happy Days uh, from from Paramount, but they'll take them down there to do a really nothing scene. They'll do they'll ha- they'll bring them down there to have them walk from the car to the front door. Right, because they they is it? I'm assuming because they figure they could just reuse it, you know, constantly mm-hmm. and just loop over dialogue as yeah, needed. Yeah, well, but there's one scene where they're just all waiting on the porch to be let in to the house, and they actually went to the house to film it, and I was like that was a, probably a waste of half a day to take the <laughs> cast and crew down there to film mm-hmm. this stupid scene where they're waiting on the porch to get in. But ABC, I think, does count every penny because um, after uh, Westward Ho, which was a very elaborate uh, three-part episode uh, filmed out on the Paramount Ranch, they did the cheapest episode I think I've ever seen. Uh, which was Fonzie's Blindness, uh, which Mm. is an episode so cheap, uh, we don't actually see a doctor's office or a doctor (laughs) or an exterior of anything. There's no guest stars. There's no exteriors. And they did that very soon after... after Westward Ho, and I thought, oh, this was this was payback from the accountants at ABC. (laughs) I thought, like, like, do the cheapest possible episode that you can do and that's why i think that really stood out to me when i watched uh that fonzie's blindness episode was how cheap it looked and i think it was because they'd spent all their money on westward ho man that's wild speaking of fonzie the, another question i i had to want to make sure was you know we always have this this imagining, right, of Fonzie being cool. Everything's cool. Nothing gets he never gets hot under the collar in any sort of circumstances. He might get a little <laughs> angry, but then there's a snap and he's cool. Right. I love how terrified he looks when the girls are trying to take care of them yeah. and realizing, oh my God, Shirley's going to kill me. <laughs> and I was I was curious. Is this is this normal for Fonzie? Just once in a while, when there's an escalating circumstance. Now, Peter, you like to talk about Fonzie's melodramatic side. So yeah, the thing is that Fonzie, he likes to act like being cool is effortless for him, but it's not. He puts a lot of effort into it. He puts a lot of stock into making sure that he has everything he needs to be seen as cool. His motorcycle, his his jacket. His hair, his job as a mechanic. But as time has gone on, we have seen that Fonzie is just kind of a melodramatic disaster who will go off on the slightest thing. Yeah, Fonzie (laughs) tends to react very, very big to things. And there's one episode that I don't think either Peter or I really liked called Rules to Date By. That's the one where they go to the logger 
bar, the lumberjack bar in yeah. Wisconsin. But all th- that, that, that's the one where Richie is a pissy little baby because Lori <laughs> Beth talks to, because Lori Beth has interactions with men who are not him. God. But in that same episode, the thing that I actually liked about it is all through it, um, Fonzie is very paranoid and very wired and he is like freaking out and he needs to like just get out of town and get to somewhere like more out in nature because he's freaking out in, in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. And there's no explanation for it. There is, uh, it's never explained why he's acting like this. He's just like, he's just uh, very, very tense. Like he's had like a hundred cups of coffee in a row. And that's, shows you kind of what a, a more complex character Fonzie is beyond just being cool. Uh, he has, he's a, a roiling massive emotions underneath that cool exterior and he will go to pieces over pretty much anything. He, he really, really will. I'm really kind of cool. To, uh, glad to hear about this. Cause one of the things I really got out of this two parter was seeing the dynamic between Richie and Fonz and kind of their different personalities, because as in watching Laverne and Shirley and seeing how that dynamic works about, you know, and especially the complexities of Laverne and Shirley and how those work and hearing about these, you know, ideas of, you know, Fonz's, he seems really cool, but there's layers to him and stresses and insecurities. And Richie also has his own, you know, he's lacks confidence, but is very capable, you know, and especially here, he's more confident, you know, as he's older. So that was why I really appreciated getting to see here was to witness that and see the comparison of the two pairs, basically. Yeah, I, I, you know, as as we've been talking about this episode, I was uh, thinking about uh, the road movies, the road comedies. I don't oh. know if anyone else uh, has has seen any of them. Uh, and if if this is a if this is basically a road comedy, uh, who's Hope and who's Crosby in this team? I don't know. I guess um, Fonzie is Crosby. I don't know. Yeah. May, yeah, yeah may, it, it feels like it's interchangeable. Yeah, in they, you know, it, just, it, it depends. It depends on the situation. Yeah, it does depend mm-hmm. because they both have traits of both uh, of both characters. But th- this definitely feels like uh, one of the things about the road comedies is that even though there's a series of them, they're they're self contained and um, they basically start over again uh, with uh, each new one. And this definitely feels like a self contained adventure. Uh, that uh, I don't know if uh, Richie or Fonzie is ever going to mention again. Uh, I think they would probably prefer not to. Probably, yeah, probably not to. And yeah. the other thing that I thought was sad about this, though, was that supposedly, as for uh, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley crossovers, this is it. Yeah, this is this is yeah. this is the end. So yeah. I guess I don't know if, oh, this, uh, if these did well. In the is Fonzie's funeral? Is Fonzie's funeral after this one or before? It was before. before. Okay. Yeah. It's before, so uh, see, we're we're at a loss here because we're skipping forward one season. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if this did badly in the ratings or did well in the ratings or uh, underwhelmed, maybe. But apparently, somebody decided um, no more, no more crossover. Yeah. Yeah. Except for, I'm wondering if. It could be because of the California yeah. move, is my suspicion. Oh, yeah, and then the, and they move. Yeah. And and Lisa, do you, they move forward like like three or four years, so they're in two totally different time periods. So, mm, that's right. Yeah, they, yep, they, that's definitely they end up in 1967 eventually, don't they? Isn't that the last season? Yeah, 1967. Yeah, last season is in 1967, uh, on the very verge of 1968, because the last episode. Lock your ears, Chris. 
in the final episode, la, 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 Carmine la, la, la. Um, auditions to be on Off Broadway for Hair. So yeah, yeah. Wasn't that a backdoor pilot for a Carmine series? Yes, yes. yes. That is the last episode of the show. Was a backdoor pilot for a Carmine series, and that's how the show ends. And I still my tongue right there. <laughs> Agony by the time we get there. I don't know what we're gonna get. It's, it's cool. It's all cool. It's all cool. Um, so at Lisa, though, I did actually have another follow-up uh, kind of question was, you know, sort of that's from the happy days perspective of seeing that comparison and seeing the Fonzie Richie dynamic. And Lisa, I was curious, because I'm assuming it's it might have been a while since you've watched both parts of the two-parter yeah. back to back. Um, if you had a takeaway of seeing the, the way the dynamics interacted, especially because we actually haven't seen this particular four altogether, I think, since the first time Laverne and Shirley were introduced, right? Yeah, I yeah. We haven't seen um Fonzie and Richie and Laverne and Shirley uh, since uh football frolics, I want to say mm, okay. uh in uh, Unhappy Days. Because uh, no wait, no, 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 wait, no, it is Bachelor Party, Bachelor Party, Bachelor Party. No, 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 wait, no, no, no. <laughs> It is, uh, it's Bachelor Mothers. No, no, wait, no, wait, which is not in Bachelor Mothers. Yeah, my Bachelor Mothers had, so, right, ba- so right. Bachelor Mothers had Fonzie, and excuse me, Matt yeah, couldn't yeah, have yeah, Richie, yeah, so yeah, it was like, they were, yeah, they were so separated. Yeah, so I'm right Football Frolics. I'm right Football Frolics. I'm mm. right in the first place. Football, fro- football Frolics could have used more Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Football, <laughs> football Frolics needed more Laverne and Shirley, so. Yeah. A lot of things could use a lot more Laverne and Shirley. Even Laverne and Shirley could have used more yeah. Laverne and Shirley. By the end of the show, mm-hmm. heck Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, the uh, Laverne and Shirley in the army uh, meets the Fonz, I guess, you know, yeah. they eventually, uh, you know, their yeah. their paths do eventually uh, collide again yeah. uh, in, the, does, in the animated but, show. But but it does, uh, it, 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 that's, that's like saying something from droids is canon. Come on, man. Droids <laughs> is canon, isn't it? I don't think it is canon. I think it stopped being canon with the expanded oh, universe. Uh, uh, yeah. I think because of the the new Disney. Disney movies. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Disney. That's 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 what that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, but it definitely I, I know, yeah. used to be canon. It definitely used, used to be, to be canon. canon. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Disney said God, just, Disney said right, no to means, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, d- doesn't that mean the Ewoks movies got nuked from the can the the uh, the yeah. timeline as well? Fudge. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I love those movies. <laughs> Um, anyway, but yeah, so back to the question though for Lisa was, um, the thought, like, what did you get out of seeing the dynamic interacting of the four of them here? I really enjoy it. I especially like the chemistry between, um, Penny and, um, Henry. It's really solid in this particular episode because they're having fun playing off of each other. And, um, as always the, um, uh, Ron and Cindy chemistry is adorable. It's real adorable. And I, I will say that I really loved the fact that uh, Fonzie and Richie were basically the damsels of, in distress yeah. all throughout part two. With, oh God, yes. With, uh, with, with Laverne and Shirley being the ones who had to like get into a square dance fight to save them. That's great. So that was uh, very enjoyable. And I will say that it, that it adds to my belief that if, if the cast of Happy Days and the cast of Laverne and Shirley were each in a zombie apocalypse... The cast of Laverne and Shirley would be way better at surviving. Yeah. Oh yeah. Chris has his theories about this. Come on, Carmine's related is connected. He's he's yeah. in with members of the mob. He's gonna get them guns. He's gonna get them supplies. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. <laughs> By the way, I, I want to 
point out that Cindy, Cindy is such a delight in these yes. two episodes. Uh, one of the things that I like that she is is that uh, first off, trying to be a perfect nurse. Yes, you know, and she's <laughs> trying to basically be a Girl Scout to uh, Richie and Fonzie. Yeah. And then in the second half, sort of being uh, like the most politically correct person yeah. on the, in there, and yeah. like trying to prevent them from hunting and fishing. I yeah. thought that was great. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was so charming. Yes. Although, would, would that have been anachronistic? Like, would it have, like, would someone in the very early 60s yeah. have felt that way? I don't think so. I think she was, I think, maybe she was ahead, maybe of, her Cindy was she was ahead of her time. Maybe like yeah. The, Oh, yeah. But it's, because um, it's it's a thing, it's a recurring thing with Shirley about her love of animals. I yes. mean, horse show, uh, dog show. The dog show episode actually gets referenced in another few episodes yes. from now. And, um, yeah, that whole, like... It it's a really adorable way of like kind of zeroing in on this one yeah. you know part of her. I mean that's I mean that love the, the line you know my uh, killers while my friends are killers you know <laughs> it's, it's an amazing moment and um to to that note but I, I it was my last point to mention about Shirley real quick is uh, speaking about her being a nurse they actually have the in the previously on yeah. uh, piece when it comes into part two of Shotgun Wedding they actually call them Angels yes. of Mercy which is a Great nod to see, uh, season two, episode two, I think. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Season two, episode two, Angels of Mercy. The girls have actual nursing experience, which you wouldn't believe from this episode. They were candy stripers. <laughs> well, it's admittedly, admittedly, that experience was mostly involving them versus an unconscious man and a, and a bedsheet. <laughs> yeah, so. pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And, and something that I did appreciate, something that I did appreciate is that even though, like, it, it's not ideal nursing like they, they still stopped to help Richie and Fonzie yes. when they were injured even if Laverne even if Shirley apparently thought that they were an actual cow <laughs> I love that line I love that <laughs> line uh when when Laverne screams you thought they were a cow you were mooing at them <laughs> not because he well, thought it was I'm... a wounded cow <laughs> Well, Farmer Bumpergard is fooled by the cow costume. True. He's like, oh, look at that funny looking cow. I was like, <laughs> you're fooled. This is your job. I know. Just imagine. You're fooled by this uh, party city cow costume. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm surprised the dude hasn't blown his own foot off with that shotgun with how much of a freaking idiot he is. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I want to ask you this. Had, um, I think, uh, a, Dukes of Hazard had been on for a little while, yes. uh, maybe for a few months, but before this aired, D- is it possible that uh, the girls' outfits were inspired by Daisy Duke? Oh, I I, absolutely. So. Yeah, it, I, I figured yeah. it have because it had been. Yeah, Dukes of Hazard had been around for about a year. It looks like at that point. So yeah, yeah it was probably starting yeah. to heat up the ratings. And actually, now I've just looked it up on IMDb, looked at the picture of Daisy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell that that outfit. Helga oh, definitely, definitely just straight up dresses like her. And I yeah. don't know if this is an idea, uh, if this was like Happy Days chasing the new hotness, like, you know, like we're old and busted and they're the new hotness. So let's, yeah. let's copy what they're doing. So possibly. let's do a, let's yeah. do a Dukes of Hazardy type episode. Yeah, um, possibly. Possibly. Yep. <sighs> Goodness. I going to mention yep. That uh, it's quite possible they tried to do that because um, around this point in time, I think it was getting close to uh, the big uh, contract dispute that happened on, on uh, Dukes of Hazards. They would have been in the press. They would have gone, oh, let's get some attention on this by doing that. But it didn't work. It really didn't work as we just went over. So, mm. 
kind of a negligible success. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of sad when a, when a show, you know, uh, you're the new hot thing for a few years and then somebody else comes along and now you're kind of having to, uh, catch up with the trends rather than yeah. you know being the trend. Yeah. And I think that happens to every show. Yeah. And well, as we go into the 1980s, the, the, the real new hotness is not going to be sitcoms at all. It's going to be, yep. um, action shows and yep. uh, primetime soap operas. So, yep. Um, yep, yep. And that's how you get stuff like Fonzie having a karate fight with Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh <laughs> my, what? I love what? That so oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. That's and it, it, it's actually basically just a remake of, of A Mind of His Own with yeah. Fonzie's new girlfriend in the role of Richie in that episode. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear! Yeah, I remember all of this. I remember every last bit of it. Ugh. Yeah, it's just like what happened to Laverne Shirley is that ultimately they were slaughtered by the A team. They were put up against the A team and they got flattened. Well, there you go. You Ugh. see, it's those action shows. It's those, it was like you know, uh, A team, Magnum PI, you know, uh, Night Rider, Night Night Rider. You know, that was the that was what was happening in the eighties. Uh, the kids were watching that stuff, and the adults were watching yeah. Dallas and Dynasty and Falcon Crest, yeah. and yeah. you know nobody had time for the old sitcoms anymore. And yeah. so, oh yeah. well, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was about to say that my uh, my parents watched some of those action shows at that time, and then I realized, oh right, they were kids back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you had to watch that stuff if you're going to go to the playground the next day. What were we going to talk about? You're going to, you know, did you see Airwolf? Well, I mean, I'm saying rel- relatively uh, kids because I was, I was born in 86. And so yeah, it's, right. it's like, you know, so they would have been, you know, my mom was around like her late twenties. My dad was like yeah. 24 or so, but yeah. So it's, it's like, yeah, it's just the funny thought of, of, uh, you know, what we, I don't know. I'm over explaining my stupid. Yeah. No, 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 you're not. no, but uh, yeah, it's just that, um. Yeah, happy days, you know, time passed it by a little bit. Maybe this is maybe some of the first signs that uh, maybe time is passing these shows by a little yeah. bit. Um, I, I also would say, yeah, the, the the clues of that also come from like the weird anachronisms where they're like trying to find yeah. like, you know, the things of the time because it's like, well, nobody really cares about the past anymore. They want what's current. Yeah. And when you get to Laverne and Shirley, like season four, you start seeing that hit starting to hit as well. And it's, it's very... Yeah. Uh, it just kind of gets worse and worse until like, okay, these outfits, like yeah. I know you're trying to go yeah. for like the go-go yeah. look, but you're really yeah. just doing yeah. disco flavored go-go look. Yeah. yeah. And over in happy days, we get a uh, flip Phillips played by uh, Eddie Warlock, who Red has a Billy. penchant for Billy. crop tops that yeah. probably wasn't actually yeah. a thing in the 1960s. No, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Billy. Wait, wait, yeah. he was, yeah, yeah. He, he, was he, he was, he, he was on that. Yeah, yes! Barry Warlock from Society. You know? Yeah, Society oh and yes. Baywatch. Thank you for saying that. It was finally not me this time that brought up Society. Thank you. That's no, a fourth a whole, reference I time. Long, I wrote a long article about Society for some website somewhere. <laughs> this is the fourth time it's been brought up on After Night. It just makes me so happy I wasn't the only one that brought it up. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, and then they have a character, uh, Roger, who's basically a, a 1980s style yuppie, and he... Yep. is seen wearing uh, like spandex biker shorts and stuff like that. And yep. none of that oh. would have been available at all. But a, a story like this one, like Shotgun Wedding, it doesn't need to take place in the 50s or 60s. It doesn't need to take place in any particular time. It, it just basically yeah. is um, 
has nothing to do with nostalgia, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just like Westward Ho from last season, uh, from season six of Happy Days, had nothing to do with nostalgia. They just kind of gave up on the nostalgia angle altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That start with Laverne Shirley. It starts happening right around the California era. Even though we're trying to do the the mod era, we're trying to do Go Go Boots and the Beatles. And all this stuff. Uh, everybody has huge, wide disco lapels. <laughs> and it's so noticeable. It's so, so noticeable. In fact, even Carmine, Chris, uh, next episode we're doing, look at Carmine's collar and how <laughs> wide it is. And you will see those disco lapels on him. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And, and by season eight, Penny has a shag haircut. That is not mm-hmm. from the era appropriate, and yeah, it becomes a mess. Like like, like a Tennille yeah, haircut. She has, yeah, she yeah. has the Tony Tennille look going. So, yeah. you know, they're they're starting. It's it's starting to fade away nice. here. Yeah, uh, I. I I think this was uh, what season seven of Happy Days. This was the last season for uh, Potsy and Ralph, and mm-hmm. I think it's notable that they're not in this at all. I don't even think that yeah. they're in that uh, big packing scene at the beginning of part one where. Everybody walks down the stairs in, yeah. in single file. Yeah, yeah the Chachi audience, audience goes wild. Including Chachi. Yeah. Um, by the way, do you think any of this was shot in front of a studio audience? They don't say studio audience. Uh, I think they shot that one scene in the house and then they were done. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the rest of it seems to have all been shot on some kind yeah. of location. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, no one says... Uh, this episode was shot in front of a live studio audience, so I'm just assuming it, it, it wasn't. Um, uh, but I just it wasn't. Yeah, it, it's possible. There, there's, there's some decent realistic laughter during the uh, the the medic scene in the in the house. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, like, it's great. Maybe that's the crew. I don't know. Maybe they get the crew to laugh. Uh, maybe, but like, yeah. but you're right though. Like in the case of say, um, some of the bits in the the in the barn in the loft and everything. Um, and part of that could also just be uh, the crane rig they used for that was pretty big. Yeah. That might that I and I don't know how big the uh, stage was for for the, what they were using. So yeah, I, I, yeah. Whenever they don't say, it, it, occasionally there'll be an episode of Happy Days where they say, but they don't say live and shot. This episode was uh, f- filmed in front of a studio audience. Whenever they don't say it, I just assumed that there was no audience there. Although um, the studio audience is definitely there in the later seasons of the show because there are some very awkward episodes of Happy Days where the studio audience doesn't laugh at jokes. Mm. Like they will have, mm-hmm. they like they'll have jokes that bomb in the studio and i was like well at least they're keeping the show honest like they didn't put in laughs for that but you can hear like the actors like uh really trying to sell these jokes and really trying to get the audience into it and sometimes the audience is just not having it uh like the episode when fonzie moves out of the cunningham house uh the audience just was not on board for that and so Mm. It's an icy silence that they get sometimes yeah. for some of these jokes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's it's very sad and awkward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I I felt bad for the actors because like wow they're they're giving it everything they got out yeah. there, but uh, the the audience isn't giving them anything back. But and this, you know, I, I think some of those scenes you couldn't have had an audience there for. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. like Richie running across the 
cow pasture or whatever he's yeah yeah right yeah yeah the best they could do with that is like shoot that first and then do the uh, monty python thing where they play it back for an audience to record the laughter from that uh, from that crowd because i know that early monty python used to do that yeah that that was their technique showing it on the monitors, I guess, to the studio audience so that you'd get at least some realistic I was going to mention there is a great example of an audience rebelling against what they're seeing in Laverne and Shirley. Uh, One heck of a note, Carmine and Laverne (laughs) kind of spark up this illicit affair between the two of them. What? And they kiss. (laughs) What? Yes, this happens. This yeah, happens. this this is this is why I went, I went a little crazy the uh, a yeah. couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. Peter, that was that's what that was about. Yeah. yeah, they kiss and the audience gasps in utter horror repeatedly <laughs> as this plays out. They are so not here for it to the point where when Laverne and Carmine look at each other and go, "I don't love you," they applaud. It's that much of a negative reaction. They rejected it so wholeheartedly. I would I mean, not have been down for that. I would not have. I would not have approved of that at all. Yeah, yeah. We don't either. And, yeah, yeah. That's that's bizarre. I'm uh, so glad we all agree on this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, I just noticed this. Uh, we were talking about the the show being set in a particular time period, and I said it could have happened any time. Yes. There is one dead giveaway that this show of, of this show's uh, setting in time. The one reference that they make uh, that sets the show in a very particular time and place or time of in history. And that's when they mention who the president of the United States is. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Hey, yeah. There you go. They mention what is it? John F. Kennedy. Yeah. They say, yeah. John, I don't know why they mention. I, I don't I think maybe Richie mentions him. John F. Kennedy is the president. F- Fonzie does it when he's trying yeah. to convince Richie to uh, tr- yeah. trying to convince Richie to go and to, to join him in trying to get laid because, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's the kind of thing that President Kennedy could get behind. That is they the they don't say that, but I imagine that it that's the line of logic. Yeah. That's a, such yeah. a stra- that's such a strange thing because for some reason Richie sings the Battle Hymn of the Republic under uh, Fonzie's little speech and I was like why is he trying to sell himself on this isn't Fonzie trying to sell him on it why is Richie helping out with this I I, but, I love uh, that little moment like it is fun- yeah, oh yeah funny. that's what, that's one of my favorite Fonzie and Richie in the are extremely different in many ways but in they 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 can be on the same wavelength sometime and it's it's, yeah. it's very endearing yeah that's yeah that, that's it's a really enjoyable. Well, that's why I think mainly this episode was done was to do a wacky Fonzie Richie adventure, and that's what we get. Yeah. We definitely get it. So, um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and we we finally get to have, and I guess with season five, the, the girls finally get to at least have a wedding scene, even if it's yeah. like cut off at the I do, which you yeah. know we've been kind of yeah. waiting for them to to hit that point. I mean, aside from that, was uh, there was comedy Odyssey and Fault at the Altar doesn't even get to the point of wedding dress, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, it does not. It does not. Yeah. And Laverne gets proposed to, of course, and look before you leap. There are going to be multiple uh, near weddings and finally a successful wedding uh, from season five to season eight. So we'll get more of that coming up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much coming. something to look forward to. Um, yeah. By the way, I, I, I did try to find uh, what Fernan Constitution meant. And I could not find anything. It does not mean yeah. anything in Swedish. It certainly does not mean it's curtains for you. Uh, well, I, looked, I, I, I was I spent an embarrassingly long time yelling into Google Translate. Uh, <laughs> Fern and Constitution. 
Fernin Concha, Fernin Concha Tuchin. They were banking on the fact that nobody at the time would have access to uh, instantaneous language translation yeah. and also hopefully would not have any knowledge of Swedish. I guess not. Um, I've heard well, this. Also this was, and it was also the time of the Swedish chef in, in Bork Bork. So, you know. Well, I have heard that uh, uh, Swedish people in Sweden uh, were not amused by the Swedish chef at all and were uh, taken oh. aback. Because he sounds more Norwegian to them. Oh. So they're anti Swedish chef. So. Most um, huh. of the new every day. I, I guess another uh, another thing that sets it sort of in a, in a, in a time period although not the time period of the 50s or 60s, is that when uh, Laverne is acting as a nurse, uh, she suddenly starts talking like somebody out of a, like a World War II movie. Uh, she starts saying like, she, oh, yeah. she calls him a GI and says, do you want to write a letter home and tell him how well the war is going? Do you have any stock? So in- I, I, I have a theory about that. I have a theory about that, that the quote unquote bedside manner that Laverne misinterprets it for playing doctor yeah. and that she's played and she's played doctor with Fonzie before is my theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's basically canon. She definitely like seems to be setting up some sort of World War II themed porn scenario or something. She says like, oh, G.I., do you have any nylon stockings or chocolate candy for me? And I guess... <laughs> I don't know if that was actually true, that something that soldiers did was to pay, uh, I guess, prostitutes in nylons and chocolates. I don't know if that actually ever happened, but that's certainly yeah. a cliche from World War yeah. II. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know if it's that one of the, it's, probably, it's probably at the point of print the legend at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So speaking also of, of memories and, uh, you know, and things that kind of little snapshots of time, you know, uh, and of that matter, I love the whole gimmick of Laverne with the camera. In this yeah. in this episode, it's I so charming. It yeah. is, it's, yeah. And how I love how everybody smiles. Even like yes. Richie's in the middle of panic mode, and he <laughs> turns and smiles with Never. a fish on his forehead because they yeah. couldn't find a cold compress. Right. Well, you know, people th- people think that people like uh, faking their hap- their happiness for Instagram and stuff is a new phenomenon, but it is not yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was totally about that. This was totally about creating these like picture perfect. Uh, photos from your vacation, even if the vacation is going uh, badly, everybody. Yeah. Even if you had, even if you almost had to marry your friends to save them from getting married to two other people, yeah. you were going to get a semi-happy wedding photo out yeah. of it. Yeah, and if you're going to suffer. You might as well get the picture. But before, before I forget, though, if, if unless we're going to, uh, you know, unless we're still on the photo thing, is does anybody have a favorite moment that they stopped oh, and took a picture from this episode or what? Like, uh, yes, yes. Well, well, like I said, mine was. Richie and the cold compress fish, and also mm. the wedding photo at the end. Lisa, do you have a yeah? Oh, do you have yeah, one favorite one? Fonzie on the donkey. It's such a oh, great that was visual. great. That was so great. <laughs> the best and, and like I said, yeah, that is. I, I love when he talked to the donkey, and the donkey ignored him, and he said that. Yeah. And, and he got kind of weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> because he really yeah. wants this donkey's approval. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves the fawns, including animals, darn it. I did not particularly, there was not any particular of, of moments, although I must have, I don't know if I, if, if you follow the Twitter account, if I post any screenshots from this episode, I don't remember if I did or I didn't. I can't you remember did. now. You did. What you was, posted uh, the two uh, bulls. 
We'll compare oh, yes, I did. I did that. Uh, so I guess that was the image that uh, I wanted to see if it was the same bull. I don't know. I wanted to yeah. see if they had, like a year later, <laughs> they found the same bull because Fonzie had a dog and they had the dog played by two different dogs. And so I wondered, <laughs> is, is the bull, uh, did they get the same bull? Um, they didn't. It's a very different looking bull. Yeah. The bull in the yeah. Westward Home one looks really mean, the, uh, the, uh, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, the the bull in the Westward Ho episodes looks pretty intense. And this, this bull seems like a perfectly nice intense. one who just wanted to meet a nice cow. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's you know it's it's been through a lot. It had you know some relationship troubles, and it's it's like it's it's it needs it needs a comfort relationship right now. It just needs something kind of easy, kind of casual. It needs to just go for long walks along the paddock, you know. It's someone who could to enjoy grass with, you know, we, we, I mean, have we all not been there in some way or another? Everybody needs love. Everybody's looking for love. Mm. Am I being too, by the way, am I being too picky to point out that the wigwams are actually teepees and not wigwams at all? No, you're not. Cause that's accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, a, it's yeah. A it's accurate. And B it's also like, that's very, this show. That they yeah. that they will do those things that they uh... <sighs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess the, the point of it is that um, a Native American culture was not only appropriated but marketed to to white people in a lot of different ways and like campgrounds yeah. and like summer yeah. camps and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. I, I could remember specifically a sort of motel on Route sixty six. That has those kind of structures where uh, you you can still stay, you can still go there and stay. I wonder if any of that stuff is still out there. Is is any of that? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah. You can stay at that motel. You can still stay at that motel. Yeah, and I, I just saw someone on Twitter talking about um, a museum of Native American art in I think it's Durango, and it's owned by white people and. The what they use to their the sign they use is used to be this restaurant called the belong to this restaurant called the Chief Diner, and it's mm-hmm. this just this image of this big Native American guy just kind of posing. Right. So, yeah, this stuff kind of stuff is still out there, and it's yeah. not great. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that was a big thing yeah. for kids' summer camps too, was to have sort of um, pseudo authentic. Um, Indian style names was a big thing. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah that oh was, yeah, that was, oh yeah, yeah, we, I, yeah. we all grew full, up with that. What is the full name? Well, of the, what is the full name of this this place where they stay? This campground? It's like some. Oh, uh, Ro- uh, Roscoe's Wigwams. Roscoe's yes. Wigwams. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So maybe they're, they're they're playing up the inauthenticity of it. Yeah. yeah, I assume yeah. so. I, I assume that's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the they look in not great shape. But, oh, and what am I saying? There's the whole joke of, uh, yeah. you know, what is it? I can't, I can't sleep in an actual buffalo, and don't think you have to worry. It's made in Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. oh god, and and then Shirley's line after that. I don't know if anybody has yeah. that one written down. Oh, that that uh, about Taiwanese Indians. Oh, it's the same oh, yeah. Our toaster. Yeah. The Taiwan Indians made our toaster. Yeah, they're the <laughs> yes. made our toaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, I, I had to point this out as well. Uh, Tupperware is not sold door to door that no. I know of. I can't find any a lot evidence. That, that tu- well, a Tupperware was originally a flop. You know, the guy yeah. Tupper Earl Tupper invented Tupperware, and he couldn't yeah. sell it until he came up with the idea of these uh, Tupperware parties. 
Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. basically yep, 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 yep. Did, didn't he basically invent the MLM? Yeah, basically much, he yep. did, uh, and it's a model that people, I guess, are not using in 2021 or 2020. But <laughs> no, no. But I mean, MLMs are still out there. But I, I think Tupperware parties specifically aren't. Yeah. 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 yeah Tupperware parties not so much. But I mean, I, th- I think we've all had that Facebook friend who has reached out to us and tried to get us to sell like knives or something. Oh God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, totally. I've had that. So yeah. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, there was some sort of randy Tupperware salesman who came to the uh, Mumpergard farm, um, and they they wish another one would show up, I guess. They yeah. say, they say they either, either that, either that, or, or what they, what they knew, the girls ordered away for the Tupperware. They ordered the Tupperware knowing a salesman was going to come there, like, you know, it's oh. like, you know, and like, this is, this is a, yeah. a thing to woo, you know, get, get a guy onto the property. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, father, he's just a Tupperware salesman. And then, <laughs> you know. And then and, he murders them. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. the father murders the Tupperware salesman. Well, now, I mean, when it gets to the point, yeah, when it gets yeah. to the forced wedding at the end, I was seeing the whole thing through the lens of Rob Zombie movies at that point. So. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you just mentioned completely the Rob, on point. Well, you just mentioned the Rob Zombie movies, but I'm thinking of the Tales from the Crypt episode with uh, Tim yes. Curry and Ed yes. Edley Jr. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that that has a shotgun wedding in it. Yep. Um, although I oh man, that's an intense uh, that's an intense episode. It's pretty yeah. awesome. I think I think people should probably <laughs> see that one. I think it's called like a oh death of a sale death of another salesman. Definitely sales. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to track down because I know the Tales from the Crypt episodes are kind of scattered all over the place, and they're not yeah. even on HBO Max. Yeah. It, it, bo- it boggles me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, totally. That's another great one. Yeah. So uh, I actually had two questions for the room. Two questions. How long do you think Lenny and Squiggy lasted with those those daughters before they got shot at? Well, yeah. good good question. Wise. Okay. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to think on that. I'll let our guests answer for a sec cuz I want to think my answer through. Wow, that is a poser because um I don't know under normal circumstances, I think they would last about 40 to 45 seconds. Yeah. But um under these circumstances, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh I think that Lenny and Squiggy might have some virtues as lovers, but I don't think stamina is necessarily one of those virtues. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, who knows? Uh, how, how, well, I, I would maybe, not kick Michael McKean or David Lander out of bed, but also yeah, I, I don't think that Lenny and Squiggy would last very long in most circumstances <laughs> right and and that's terms and that's the term of sexual lasting power to me what would be what would possibly happen if that the girls are very much in the you know they want the rodeo dodo or rodeo dodo as it were given the location but i can see their intensity yeah terrifying the two uh, of them and that's that would be the thing as in like you know once the clothes start coming off like they're like yeah this is great this is fine and then like Helga picking Squiggy up as an example and him yeah. feeling emas- like that sense of emasculation yeah. scaring the shit out of him. Oh, that, That's what that, I would I wanted noted that this question started instantly with how long the relationship would last from the father shot him. <laughs> I wanted noted that I started this with an instant question. <laughs> you know, I, I guess when... Th- yeah, what? this could have been uh, this could have been a bumper this could have been a bumper garden spinoff, you know, a backdoor pilot for the bumper guard family. 
you know (laughs) what's happening Uh. what happens to them next week you know because you know the dad is uh, learning to become a more forgiving more open father he's you know he's taken parenting lessons from mr c i guess um and and you call the last episode let's late spring as they all the two girls (laughs) get married off yeah so I, I appreciate what they're going for, but I feel like that would have worked better if the girls, if if the daughters felt more like characters. Because as it is, yeah. I feel like Helga and Inga are very yeah. thinly written, almost caricatured yeah. in a way. Yeah, they're they just don't really. There's, I, I don't, don't feel like I know. I I wasn't really as moved as I could have been. Really... I was I was gonna that was the exact word I was gonna use. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that I was slightly moved. By it because I am I'm going to be moved by any story about a father who realizes okay I haven't been being a good parent I'm going to do better in the future for the sake of my children like yeah. anytime that is a theme in a story I am gonna like it yeah yeah, yeah. It, but it, it comes into this it comes into the story kind of so late and you don't really I, it oh yeah Helga and Inga don't really seem like human beings who would uh, actually have complex uh, feelings about these issues. Um, yeah. They, they very much. But hey, like may- maybe Helga's is going to get off the farm yeah. and go become yeah. a dancer. Like she seems to kind of want, I assume. Uh, yeah, I guess. She's going to steal Carmine's role in hair. <laughs> oh, I thought yeah. you were going to say she's going to steal yes. his role in Blansky's Beauties, but that yeah. was Carmine's. <laughs> his oh, they would be. Never exist they, again. She, they could become Blansky's beauties. Yeah. They could. They could yeah. yeah, yeah. They there could you go. Become Blansky's beauties. Um, yeah. I, I, before before I getting too much off of it, I guess it's the to sum up what I feel about them as well. To agree with it is, I like you know this is gonna sound weird, but if I'm gonna have cheesecake, I like there to be a little brain on top there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know that there's that much substance to them. Um, I, I don't think there's really any substance yeah. to them. Uh, in fact. Given kind of the accents kind of get in the way too because they they've they've been given these very stereotypical accents. Yeah, and yeah, and, and that only kind of serves to further other them. It's kind yeah. of the same way. Like it, it, it's also the same way I feel about Arkansas in Blansky's Beauties. Like yeah. the yeah, the reason God. you are giving her Arkansas. the reason why she, you are making yeah. sure this character has this incredibly exaggerated accent is to is so that the audience knows that they are not human. Yeah. Right. Like Linda Goodfriend ha- talks like a person yeah. on that show. And, oh, Arkansas Bates. Oh, good Christ. Oh, oh, that character. Yeah. And, and, and maybe to an, ex- maybe to an extent that. Tall man. Yeah. And, and maybe yes. to an extent that's also true of uh, Pat Morita as Arnold. Yeah. As Arnold. Like, he, I, I he, he has an accent that, you know, Pat Morita does not actually have. And yeah. given that he's. Happy Days first major recurring character of color. It it, it can be kind of uncomfortable in an orientalizing yeah. kind of way. But yeah. like, yeah. I, like well, I, you know, Pat came. Pat, oh, sorry, go ahead. Pat came up with that accent. Pat devised that accent himself. Ooh. I mean, Pat didn't talk that way at all, as you say. He didn't talk like that at all in real life. But it was um, it was an accent that he used in his stand-up act, and I, I guess um, he said he based it on real people. I don't know. Yeah. So. Um, it, it that that's 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 a great you know speaking as someone who is you know is a person of color myself yeah I mean I'm, I'm mixed but you know my my father is from Sri Lanka that's the weird gray area that you find when talking to talking to folks about that is where because it's like they're doing it but they're also furthering a stereotype and so that's that's where yeah. it gets a little 
wiggly. Yeah. yeah so yeah, w- when you're a person of color in a white-dominated industry, and you're playing to an audience of primarily white people, and all of the gatekeepers are white people, like you know, it's gonna. There, there, there's always going to be these weird, uncomfortable compromises, and I, like, I, I don't blame Pat Morita for any of it. Yeah. He's, he's doing what he, he did what he had to do. Yeah. But then again, I, I'm white, so t- take everything I say with a grain of salt. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But you know, it, it, it. I will say, you know, to piggyback off that, it, it kind of speaks to one of the kind of greater issues of this format of television, of sitcoms and situational comedy, it's become so gag-driven that we end up getting into these situations where people are just sort of filling the role of a joke Mm -hmm. dispensary. And like, and like coming back to Helga and Inga, that's kind of the catch is that they are, they're there to be bimbos, to be funny, to be cute and to, you know, to be physically fit enough to do the dance and the fight scene. And, you know, that's a, it, and, you know, that's the way that a lot of show business has worked. And in regards to, you know, you, you know, people say, oh, it's just entirely a race and gender thing. And it, it definitely is, you know, part of it, but it's not entirely the thing because, you know, you watch a lot of Westerns and even if it's a bunch of white guys as, you know, duking it out over farm territory or something, it's the same thing. You know, it's a, it's, you know, this person is this type of villain. This person is this type of hero. And so that's the, the element of cliche that sort of comes into it. And that's where, you know, with these characters... I found them to be cute. It would have been great to have had them do more there. But as we've kind of stated, this is as a two-parter, both these pieces together is very much trying to be a big show and they're trying to mm-hmm. give a big performance. Yeah. I, I think Cindy and Penny uh, were fortunate in that they were written as uh, multidimensional people right from the yeah. start. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right from uh, a, a date with Fonzie, mm-hmm. we get to know them as people and we get to see different sides of their personality and different sides of their relationship. You know, how mm-hmm. they're friends and also kind of enemies sometimes. Yeah, sometimes so, sometimes you and your friend have to fight in a have to fight in a bathroom over who gets to have sex with Henry Winkler. <laughs> <laughs> and so they uh, they event they didn't have to transcend this uh, just being, uh, you know, joke delivery machines. And yeah. Arnold, over the course of the time that he's on there, he's really at the beginning, he's only on there for one season. Yeah. Um, by the end, by the time we get to the season finale, which is Arnold's wedding, I think we actually do care about him as a person. And he's, because uh, we've had private discussions with him where, where characters come to him and talk about their problems. Mm-hmm occasionally because i think when uh howard has a meltdown doesn't he talk to doesn't he go to arnold and and talk about it a little bit so um Mm -hmm. yeah you know a a character like uh arnold has to overcome just being just a a one-note stereotype joke uh and helga and inga they they don't really have a chance because they're just they're just there for this limited amount of time but I think they, I think they come closer to being human beings than, than the father, the father, farmer Vernon yeah. Bumpergard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, mm-hmm. as far as we know, yeah. they are not shooting people. Yeah. As, as yeah. far as as far as we know. Uh, un- unless, yeah. like, this is, you know. like, they're into this, like they, like they're into the idea of luring men to their farm and making out with them and then letting their dad murder them. <laughs> oh yeah, there's mm-hmm. a silo of. 
of bodies uh, somewhere on it. There's like this, mm. there's this silo full of dead you know, greasers yeah. that they have on the property. So, so here's, here's, here's what I have to say to that is that the problem with the silo is that unless the containment's really good, the smell is going to just cause, it's going to be a fly farm within a couple of weeks, uh, oh. especially given it's out in the country. See, here's my theory about that. There is a lie pit somewhere and they just dissolve okay. them. You know. Okay, that's what's happening to him because there's definitely there's definitely human remains on this farm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, do 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 we want to talk about the tag for the first for the first part? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's let's do. So that. so basically, uh, Richie runs past Howard as he's fishing, and then Fonzie shows up and explains to Howard that yeah he he got out of it by calling Ralph and Potsy up and getting them to come and say they'd marry the farmer's daughters instead. So, and that led to a spinoff where Alfred <laughs> yeah. Potsy married the farmer's daughters. Yeah, yeah, and basically, I think that part one on its own, like, like you have some fun stuff like the cow suit and the dance scene, but like without part two, I think that it comes across as really anticlimactic, and it makes Laverne and Shirley's appearance like it's still nice to see them, but it is, you know, it, it feels just kind of like I said, anticlimactic, yeah. and. The, the, the first time I saw that episode, I wondered if Fonzie was going to have Ralph and Pot was if Fonzie was going to say that Ralph and Potsy pretended to be Laverne and Shirley to help get him out. But no, oh. no, they were they, they just married the, the farmer's daughters or, or, or maybe they yeah. also got away somehow. <laughs> yeah, they called two other guys <laughs> that they know. And then it's just it was an endless cycle of. It's, it's the, it turn, yeah. OK, so now it just turns into the ring. I'm again, I'm very into this. <laughs> Or maybe the farmer's daughter, well, or maybe Helga and Inga took one look at Ralph and Potsy and decided, yeah, maybe we don't want to get married just yeah. yet. Yeah. They see Ralph and Potsy and they become nuns. <laughs> they join the yes. order. Well, I, well, I want to know if you had seen if you had seen the one episode version of this, the condensed one episode version in syndication for Happy Days, would you have been fooled? <sighs> would you have thought, oh, that story mm. wrapped up nicely in an unexpected way? I don't think so. I would not have been tricked. Yeah, that. I, you know, I, I would have been. I, I have, I have that, I have that on a piece of paper here, taking my notes, and no, <laughs> <laughs> I would not have. I wonder if anyone watching Happy Days and reruns was fooled by that <laughs> ending. I don't think yeah. so. I, I think you would have to be very, very gullible to buy that. Although I, I do like that they wrote in a nice little scene between Henry and uh, Tom Bosley yeah. where. Tom is pretending to is trying to fish but not having any success and um, and uh, Tom says he's going to throw the fish back and uh, and Henry says oh that's why I love you which I thought that was a great little a great little moment but no I I, I think otherwise that was uh, a pretty cheap uh, that was a pretty, <laughs> that was a pretty cheap way of getting out of it and if you were watching Laverne and Shirley just on its own in syndication. Well, you were just uh, no. Well, I mean, because, y- yeah. you got all the narration at the beginning, explaining yeah. everything, so you probably would have been yeah. fine. I guess so. You, you would have missed the cow yeah. suit, but you would have been yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I wouldn't. I would not have been satisfied with the narration recap of it. Do you think that's actually a good scene between uh, between Henry and between Henry and Tom there at the end? Did you did did you think it was a good scene? Did you it, think it was a funny scene? I liked it. I thought it was. I it was cute. I thought it was. Sweet. I thought it was cute. Yeah. I yeah, sweet. and that's for sure not Ron Howard running through that set. No, it they isn't. just got. Some, I was going to mention that they just got. They just got some jerk to run yeah. through. They just yeah. got some 
crew member or something to do it. Yeah, could be. Definitely. They got maybe Scott Marshall or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they 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 put yeah spray paint the hair a little bit. You know, good to go. You're a redhead now. And, uh, go. Or, right. I don't know. They seem to have built up a little set. Yeah. Uh, they but it's not a great set, but it's an okay. Yeah. It's an okay set that they they built up. You get the illusion of depth, you know, with the painted uh, backdrop. Yeah. It's, it's it's more or less serviceable. Yeah, it's serviceable. It services it services the scene very well to the point of audience satisfaction. Yeah, I guess if if you're just watching Happy Days reruns, you're not your standards aren't going to be that high for realism. Yeah, and anyway, sorry, go ahead. Go go, go ahead, go ahead, Lisa. Go ahead. I was going to say that it continues Laverne Shirley's series long continuation of never ever ever leaving the lot. It's, yeah. yeah, they never, ever, 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 ever left the Paramount lot. Not even once. Oh yeah, like the thing that's the thing that to me is the most blatant is in season eight of um, Laverne and Shirley when they're even when Laverne is doing the on her own the one two three four five six yeah, seven yeah. H Lemiel Shlemazel yeah. Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. Oh yeah, yeah. It's right. The freaking Paramount lot yeah. right behind mm-hmm. them. Like mm-hmm. yeah. that that just felt so yeah. cheap. Like yeah. what is like. Yeah. Is she working at Paramount or what's going on? <laughs> well, for me, it's when it's season four, it's the festival. We're in Brooklyn. Right. Brooklyn. They took the Knapp Street Street and they turned it into Brooklyn. And it's so obvious. <laughs> it's painfully obvious. It's the same. It's not only the same lot. It's the same street they've been filming on for years. Now, Happy Days in seasons four, five, and six did a... Uh, season opening three parters that I, you know, I call like movie length yeah. adventures. Uh, Fonzie loves Pinky and then Hollywood and then Westward Ho compared to all those. This feels noticeably cheaper. Yeah. This feels noticeably uh, scaled back. Uh, there's way, way, way yeah. less outdoor yeah. stuff. Uh, you don't get things like um, Joni just disappears. They just send Joni yeah. off into the woods and they just don't even check on her. Yeah. Like that's it for her. What um, happened to Joni and those surveyors? That's my question. What surveyors. happened to her? Yeah, ho- hopefully yeah. after after Howard very loudly said that Joni was sixteen, they they backed off. God, hopefully, oh, God. My almost seventeen year old. Uh, yeah, yeah, they put in that line about almost. But in but in those previous episodes, they would give the supporting characters stuff to do, and they would film them on location doing stuff. Like in Westward Ho, yeah. there's just like a really nice scene of. Tom Bosley and Marion Ross just going horseback riding by a lake. And uh, that was out on the Paramount Ranch. I forgot where that is, but that's not too far from from Los Angeles. But they took them out to the Paramount Ranch and they actually showed them riding around on horses. There was noticeably way, way, way less of that stuff uh, in this. So um, it's very much more uh, set driven. And in this, in Shotgun Wedding, when they're outside, it's, you know... It's clearly like a set. So there's a, a, a few minutes, a few fleeting minutes of uh, actual location footage, but uh, not nearly as much as what we got in other episodes. Yeah. With Laverne and mm-hmm. Shirley, they went to Paramount Ranch, I think, once, and that was for You're in the Army now, to do that outdoor battle uh, where they're trying to learn how to uh, pass basic training. I think that's the only time they ever make it off the lot except for a few exteriors they shot at the actually extent exterior of Laurel Vista, which is an actual apartment building still. Well, you know, in the cartoon, they get to go into outer space. So, yeah. Uh, so 
They also have a sergeant named uh, Sergeant Squealy. Yeah, yeah, they get to. Yep. He goes with them, and uh, <laughs> yep. I think they filmed that on location in outer space, which was uh, very expensive. Um, it was it was the eighties. They were they were putting stuff in those cartoons all the time, just oh, just yeah. keep throwing dollars at those yes. things. Uh, clearly, Hanna Barbera was, uh, you know, no expense was spared at that uh, studio. But um, yeah, that was that was that was one of the main things I noticed about Shotgun Wedding is that uh, compared to the previous. Uh, movie-length adventure stories, which used to be three episodes. Now it's been cut back to yeah. two. Um, yeah, this feels much smaller. So It's within scale of Laverne Shirley's two-parters. Uh, so far, we've had like two two-parters, and this is, about, yep. this is about as contained as they usually are. As Christmas. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It, it, it just felt a little, it felt a little smaller than what we're yeah. used to, and and it feels like, oh, this is where this is where the uh, the show starts to decline in the ratings, and you know, yeah. you're mm. starting to yeah. see. I do. Go ahead. I wonder if part of it is also about the allocation of funds and time, because you know, doing company moves is you know is ridiculous, and here they're able to focus on the dance fight scene number, which you know is an incredible amount of choreography. To pull off, you know, when uh, from what I've heard from like Rafkin and Zwick, you know, they were shooting these in about a week. They were essentially like starting rehearsals, like sometimes on Monday and then taping Thursday. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, clearly this entire show is building up to um, that big set piece. And um, they try to make that look as good as it as it could. But imagine if they'd been able to film that outdoors. Uh, That would have been. I think even cooler if they've been able to film that outside, like in an actual, like in an actual farm. Imagine that. How that I'm happened. trying to, yeah, it would have been, it would have been cool. I mean, the, I suspect it would have been, because mm-hmm. depending on the timing, the, the always catch with doing exteriors is, is it's time, it's sunlight, because uh, you're able to get as many takes as you want indoors with all the prepped lighting. You know, it's the Bava effect, as I like to call it. <laughs> well, I don't. It, I, I think for a, a thing like this, a story like this that uh, is already a break from what the show normally does. I mean, we're taking these characters out of Milwaukee and putting them in, in a, a different situation. I think it behooves these this material to to film it in a different way as well. To not film it like uh, really set bound. I personally would have liked to have seen more more outdoorsy footage. You know. Oh yeah. No. It's, I I always love to, to see the outdoors, especially for this kind of. Um... I mean, this is practically exploitation, so it definitely, you know, it's always great to have it in that sort of visual style. Yeah. But, but okay, so with that in mind, I mean, we've been going at this for a <laughs> yes. while. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it is time for us to move on to rankings. Yes. And uh, so, Joe, if you'd like to start us off, given you've you've expressed opinion, what am I? Ra- okay, uh, so uh, uh, out of ten, ten being perfect episode. Oh, right, right. Uh, am I rating these as 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 one? Uh, as like, either either or like you can you can decide because because it also depends on how much strongly you feel they work entirely as a single unit or as two independent episodes. I am going to rank part one like uh, a six point five, and then part two a seven. Cool. All right, that's cool, and uh, and many and many good reasons to to as you've explained. Um, uh, I, just because it's it's they're fun episodes, they're a change of pace. Um, I kind of like exploitation movies. Uh, you know, I, I 
I kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies and uh, that kind of, and Snuffy Smith and Lil Abner and stuff. So I don't mind doing that. For, I wouldn't want that every week from Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley, but it's okay to do it for one week. Yeah, indeed. All right, cool. Um, so, uh, so Peter, out of 10 and separate or combined, your choice. Mm, okay. Uh, separately, I'd rate part one a six. I'd rate part two an eight. And together, I'd rate them a seven and a half. Nice. And Lisa? I'm going to go with about oof, 5.6 for the Happy Days half. I enjoy... I enjoy a lot of the fun that Richie and Fonzie have in this ep- that part of the episode. God, it's like a little too cheesy, even for me, and I'm the Liver and Shirley fan. <laughs> it's just so cheeseball. And so it kind of grated on me a little bit, but there's some good jokes. It's worthwhile. It's just not near my top tier. Uh, second part, I'm going with a six. I uh, needed more. I need more Lenny and Squiggy in this episode, to be real. I need more a Frank and Edna to justify the presence, and even more Carmine to justify his presence. But the girls totally kicking butt to save uh, Fonzie, which is incredible. I liked a lot of the lines during the wedding. Um, overall, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun little caper. It's a fun little caper. That's what I. That's what I'm. Be my final word on that. Nice. Okay. And for myself, uh, doing it separately, I would be, I think, about a six, six and a half on part one and a pretty solid seven on part two. Uh, similar feelings. I would have loved to have seen more Lightning Squiggy. Um, would have liked to have seen more location footage, but I do, th- I, there's a, kind of a low budget charm to me like i kind of get a giggle out of like just the barn with those floors the danceable floors <laughs> just makes me laugh and uh i and i you know i really like the fight scene in part two which is really one of the strong suits of that episode uh, as well as also i think zwick is able to get a certain type of performance out of ron that's a little different than the way jerry gets performances out of him that just kind of the timing and energy you know the rhythm of it is a little different so i like seeing those changes and uh when it comes to like the hoedown showdown i mean Part of my brain is even thinking like, is this a precursor to the FP? Like, is this does this has gotten Jason Tross territory, and therefore that always gets a little extra boost for me. Yeah. Um. And you know, and the duck puppets are also adorable. So yes. those 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 elements, and so altogether, like collectively, I would get you know again, kind of average this out to like a seven, maybe a seven and a half, just because it's a it's a stronger two parter especially like together than um, some of the other two partners that Laverne and Shelley has had in the past. Cause the cruise didn't work for me as well. Cause it was a little too disjointed. By but, the way, if, um, if I had just seen the, the truncated one episode version with the uh, rich, with the Ralph and Potsy save the day ending, that's a four. <laughs> that version of the episode is a four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not, le- if it's not leading to the other, not leading to the other show, uh, I would have felt very ripped off by that. But um, I think if there's a reason to watch this uh, two-parter, it's because of Cindy and Penny. I think uh, they're the strongest part of this. Uh, Their interplay, their dialogue, uh, the way they just keep uh, talking back and forth to each other all throughout the square dancing, I think is really funny that they they just have this... um, this endless conversation between them that just that they can just get into this conversational rhythm and they just keep going uh, no matter where they are or what situation they're in. And I I was thinking of a review of the movie uh, Grey Gardens Hmm. where 
uh, they, but I think Roger Ebert said that um, Big Edie and Little Edie form a closed system ah. between the yeah. two of them. They have a way of just of of communicating between themselves that makes sense to each other and to themselves, but may not make any sense to the rest of the world. They have a closed two person system, yeah. and Laverne and Shirley are a closed two person system. They have this uh, interplay that is strictly their own. Yes. And I don't even think Richie and Fonzie have that. They, Richie and Fonzie definitely have a, a chemistry of them, of their own. But I don't even think theirs is as rich as Laverne oh, and yeah. Shirley's. Oh, so. yeah. And, like, from the beginning, the central relationship of Laverne and Shirley was Laverne and Shirley. At, like, yeah. at its core, Laverne and Shirley is a show where the most important relationship in your life is with your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's a big part of why season eight... Yeah flopped like it did because like it it begins with Shirley getting married and leaving Laverne and who really wanted to see that? Nobody. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody. I think the way Cindy addressed this is the the way it ought to be put. She said that she and Penny had a word telepathy. The two of them understood each other uh, completely without having to speak to each other. And that kind of ended up being part of who the characters are. We say it again and again on Night After Night that the most important relationship definitely is between the girls. The point is that no man really can come between them. Uh, The point is that they will put each other over any person who tries to get in their way. And uh, when the show ultimately falters, it's when, you know, they end up uh, putting a man over the relationship. And, yeah, that's just true. Yeah. And that's why, and even more, uh, the four-way relationship between the girls and the boys is an entirely interesting thing. Yeah, their their dynamic kind of works wherever you put them. Uh, you can kind of cut and paste them into any situation or, or any, um, any geographic location, and it still works. Um, so I, I can't even, I'm trying to imagine, uh, Laverne and Shirley without, uh, without Laverne, without Shirley, rather, it'd be like, it's not the same. It wouldn't be the same. So, yeah. um, yeah. Also the title makes no sense now. Yeah. 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 I can explain this. I can explain it. Um, they wanted to change the title to Laverne and company. Or something like that. And Penny said, no, you can't do that. It'll look like I forced Cindy out. So that's why I took ah. her and Shirley all the way till the show ends. Yeah. So that's that's probably for the best. I mean, it yeah. probably would have been better if it... I guess it probably would have been better if it never, never happened. That, yeah, that, that sounds like a really best. mean thing yeah. to say, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what would have been best would be if uh, they had come to come some kind of an agreement about how they were treating Cindy during her pregnancy. The whole yeah. thing happened that happened yeah. was because the labor practices were not good. And that is why she sued them. And that's what happened. If they had treated the whole situation correctly, she might have finished up the show. Heck, maybe they would have killed Walter off and this would have been the two of them and the baby, which would have been interesting. <laughs> I think everyone would have gone for that. Oh, that would have been yeah. fun. That is That, that would have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would have been totally down for uh, Laverne and Shirley raising a baby together. That would have been, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Now, Peter, you and I, we're going to have to adjust in a couple seasons here uh, to Fonzie without Richie. 
So Oh um, yeah. But like they they, the they, most- they do like you know like you're still going to have Howard and Mary and then Joni is going to stick around for, yeah. for the most part even when Joni loves Chachi is happening and and they're going to bring in Roger to be the replacement Richie. So so. Yes, they're going to bring in a replacement, Richie, but it's never going to have that oh, same yeah. Uh, yeah. core of the show. And uh, I'm just trying to imagine. I'm just trying to imagine what is the replacement Richie's name? Is it like it's Roger? Mitchie? It's Roger. It's Roger. Okay. It's Roger. Yeah. Oh damn! And, and he's played by the. You, you ruined my joke, guys. Come he's... on! I was going to call him Mitchie. Oh, go, oh, go, go ahead. I was going to call him Mitchie. <laughs> uh, Mitch. Yeah, he's played by the iconic Ted McGinley. Yep. Who, who gets a bad rap that he does not yeah. deserve. Yeah, so that's what I think is missing from the later seasons of Happy Days is that sense of resonance that you only get from being on the air so many years. So, yeah. and and also Potsy becomes totally irrelevant. Uh, they don't know. What yeah, and, and the same happens to Lori Beth, which really sucks because it, it would have been nice yeah. to develop her outside of her relationship yeah. with Richie. Yeah, I really liked Lori Beth in the one little bit we get of her in this episode. I have like vague memories of enjoying her. When I watched the show last, but she's really oh yeah, really nice. Oh, we love. I think on our show, yeah, yeah, on our show, we love Lori yeah. Beth. Yeah, Lori Beth is pretty delightful, and she can do way better than Richie. I yeah. say this as someone who, who had a cru- who had what I thought was a crush on Richie that turned out to actually be, I want to wear all of his clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Hey, yeah, at least at least yeah. you figured it out. Unlike poor Shirley, who continues to go after doctors when it's like just Shirley, get a veterinarian, become a veterinarian yeah. for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, her life would be so much better if she just did that. Honestly, but uh, yeah, I I I think Cindy, Cindy and Penny are so great through through these two. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the ratings don't reflect it, yeah. I think yeah. Cindy and Penny's yeah. uh, uh, chemistry is yeah, still yeah. great. Mm-hmm. As I said. Yeah. Before, this is really actually the show at its peak in a lot of ways. Season five is so good. Season five is so incredible. And honestly, the ratings were pitiful. And it's hard to believe that the ratings were so bad when you look at these episodes. And then you find out that season six, season seven, even season eight got better ratings than this. Season eight. Oh, that's that's crazy. Season eight. Yeah. Was so, uh, people like, did not. Well, I, people did not know what they had. Back yeah. then, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. really say that happy. I can't really say that this was still Happy Days at its yeah. peak. Um, happy Days basically uh, had been in decline for quality-wise. I think probably for a couple of seasons or at least a season uh, by now. So um, yeah. I can't say that Happy Days was all was still at peak of freshness. Yeah, here. yeah. yeah. Uh, season six and season seven are kind of flailing yeah. and also resting on their laurels at the same time which is a weird combination. Yeah. And then uh, once Ron Howard and Don Most leave, they just start flailing. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they really get uh, trying to redefine the show. Uh, but uh, so I think, I think the show maybe uh, it's about as good as Happy Days is going to get in season seven. I don't know yeah. if uh, Peter, you can speak more uh knowledgeably to that does is how is season is there great stuff coming up in season seven uh, for us? there's some good stuff i don't know if i would say great i might be misremembering some of it so oh we got roaring we got roaring 20s coming oh we up. do we do that's gonna be great oh we got the roaring 20s coming up that's that's awesome 
Uh, d- does Laverne and Shirley ever get to do that, like historical flashbacks where they put the characters in other time? Periods? Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's one coming if yeah. I recall. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is a actually an episode. There's a ghost possession episode that happens with a ghost from the twenties possesses Laverne. That happens. Oh. <laughs> Wow. Well, we're about to do the we're about to do our first sort of uh, happy days in another time period episode because uh, we're about to tomorrow. I think we're recording our review of the first Thanksgiving. Oh. So yep. We get to see them in. Yep. Oh, we get right to see on. them in pilgrim costumes. Yeah. And oh. Stuff. Oh, oh and also there's American Musical where Fonzie teaches Chachi about American history. Through. Oh God, I've seen that yeah. one. Oh yeah, no. it's it's oh, it's it's so bad. Oh God. Well, oh. let's all count our let's all count our blessings here. Season seven was the first season that uh, Scott Bayo was added to the opening credits of Happy Days. But I'm saying he's not here. He's not in. He's not in Shotgun Wedding at yeah. all, other yeah. than the opening scene. Um, my, like, I have an amazing thing to say. Is okay. So my my mother, I always watch these episodes with the mom to get notes. I love your and mom. let me just quickly double check the notes here. Uh, she asked which of the cast, as the Happy Days credits are rolling on, which one of them went on to become jerks. And when I, she nodded approvingly when I flipped off Scott Bio when his his face came on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we yeah we have before discussed the fact that there are allegations against Scott Bio, and we're we're not going to get into that right now. But yeah. yeah, you you can look it up for yourself. Regarding his behavior on the set of Charles in Charge, mm-hmm. uh, content warning for child sexual abuse mm-hmm. and regular yeah. child abuse. Yeah. yeah. And so, to, to, well, that, to, that, to that note, just real quick, uh, Lisa, if I recall, I have it written down, but you have a note uh, about something about Mick Foley uh, regarding Chachi. Oh, Mick Foley, the professional wrestler who is also a really, really well known self autobiographer. Uh, He's, he's a big Happy Days fan, and he likes all of his episodes dechachinated. The pre-chachy season. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick at Night used to have yes. an ad campaign. Do you want your episodes chachinated or dechachinated? Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was what he was referencing. They leaned into that. But the weird thing about Happy Days is that it's a lot like Saturday Night Live in that you have to uh, prove yourself as a featured player before you get uh, promoted to the main cast. Yeah. yeah, I was going to mention on Laverne Shirley something similar happens with David and Michael. Uh, they start at the back of the pack with a guest credit, and then they start getting a a a, a credit that's textural. Then they get their pictures in the credits, and this season Eddie and Phil and Betty all get their pictures at the back of the credits. And then finally in season six, they move to the front of the credits. Then that takes a long time to finally end up in front of the, the front of the show, but they do it. The weirdest opening uh, credits combination is in season eight, when I think the only two people in the opening are, are just Penny and David. Eddie's in there. At, at, at one Eddie's point, in there, but he does not get a name credit, I don't think. And okay. uh, neither does, um, I, I'm pretty sure nobody else does. I don't think Phil does. That is anybody else, as I was going to say. So I, I, th- I think there's a version I saw where the only two credited people were were Penny and and yep, David. Yeah, yep, that exists. And so that exists. So it was, it was like a, it was the Lenny, it was the Laverne and Squiggy yep, show, basically, yep, yep. I guess, because because uh, Michael was off filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and Gary had an agreement for that allowed him to get out of the back six when uh, that happened. It was, he said, as if if we get backers. 
I'm going to leave and film this movie, and Gary okayed that. And that's why he's not... Oh, okay. That's fair. That's why he's half well, season and not. It's important to remember that when they filmed Shotgun Wedding, they were all full of enthusiasm. This was going to work. <laughs> yeah. They were going to have Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley on two different nights. This was going to, this was going to like double the popularity yeah. of them. It was going to be like... So everything was coming up roses when they filmed this thing. So they have no idea what's what's headed their way. And we can see, we'll see in the in the episodes coming up whether you know the they they look dispirited in the, in the later episodes in this season. And now I just whether want like a, I want a picture of Dorian Gray of that photo, the wedding. Photo. <laughs> like, you know, they just get sadder. They get happier and happier in the photo, and sadder and sadder in real life. Oh God! <laughs> yes. When they filmed this, it was all still a hit. Yes. Yeah, it needs kind of a, a sad Ken Burns voiceover for the picture. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like the slow zoom of the slight yeah. t- pan across. Yeah. yeah, dear Gary, this season will be the best ever. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I mean, I'm imagining it's uh, it, for some reason I can't remember the the exact line, but it's like the or the the actor who does it. But it also for some reason I'm, I'm imagining a voiceover in the uh, from the uh, the guy. At the front of Laura, you know, I shall never forget that day of the (laughs) shotgun wedding. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, but yeah, Yeah. does that, uh, does, I think that kind of wraps us up though. Yeah. Yeah. That that wraps it up. I don't have anything more to say. Yeah. The only thing I was going to mention is that how much fun it that the episode really is in real big chunks. It's real good. It's real fun. It's a fun one. Folks should watch us. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's good. Time. It's that's good time. the two. Se- that's the two second version of this podcast. It's fun. Yeah. You should yeah. watch it. Goodbye. Good night. Yeah. Yeah, that, that happens on our normal podcast yeah. where it's like, so what do you think of this one? And I'm like, it was good. Yeah. You know, but yeah. uh, that was us watching take our uh, take our plants, please. That was all right. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, so uh, thank you again, everybody out there in the wild, 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 wild wilderness of the World Wide Web or wherever you may be listening to this podcast. If you would like to uh, join our companions at These Days Are Ours, you can find them at mm-hmm. thesedaysareours.libsyn.com. And uh, you can find us at Night After Night Pod on many different platforms. Now, you folks also have your uh, Twitter and you do social stuff. Do you want to, p- to promote your social media accounts a little bit? Oh, heck yeah. Uh, Fonzie Podcast is uh, our Twitter account for the show, and it's I I hope I'm, it's very much worth following because I, I, I there's a lot of stuff in there about our yeah. podcast and a lot about Happy Days in yeah. general. It and- is absolutely worth following. Joe does a great job running it. Yeah. He he's consistently one of the most interesting and funny presences on Twitter, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. I am completely right in this case. <laughs> well, thank you, Peter. Um, do you want to plug, plug your like personal uh, Twitter? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter Volfranc. That's P-E-T-E-R-V-U-L-F-R-A-N-C. And they can follow me on Twitter at Joe underscore A underscore Blevins. And I'm having I'm resisting the res- the urge to say the rest of our podcast plug that I say at the end of every goddamn show that we yeah. have. No, no, no. You're the guest. You're the guest. Chill. Chill, dude. I got it. I got it. Anyway. No, so because because uh, I have this whole spiel that I do, but... um. Also, buy my book. Everybody, anybody yes. who's listening, please, buy Joe's book. Buy my book. It's called. It's called Dad Made Dirty Movies. It's at uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and wherever bookstores used to be. Uh, oh, I think bookstores used to- oh my! Oh my! St- oh, oh! Why did you have to say it like that? Oh, oh, oh! It's my hat. Oh, it's. Uh, 
Well, the dream for it would have been, you know, that there would have still been all these bookstores open and uh, we would have uh, toured with it or something. But it didn't. It didn't work out that way. But yeah, you can yeah. still get it at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and. And well, I'm sure. Know. I'm sure Powell's will have a have a copy of it. So yeah, down the line. And it's in some libraries. If I've I've heard it's in some libraries. So yeah, do with those libraries. Just do a library tour. There you go. But uh, don't don't do that. I need some royalties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. And uh, for those, for us folks at Night After Night, you can find us at Night After Night Pod on Facebook, Tumblr, Facebook, uh, it's, it's Facebook, Tumblr, uh, Patreon, yes. and WordPress. And with us also, we have these episodes on YouTube. Occasionally, we have additional uh, YouTube content. Uh, by this point, we'll probably have a couple of other. Actually, yeah, we'll have at least four top fives uh, for the different seasons yeah. and things of that nature by the time this episode goes up. And on Twitter, you can find us at Night After Night PC, uh, where we do a lot of different commentary stuff. Our community is kind of burgeoning at the, at the time of this recording, we're rec- which, by the way, full disclosure, we're recording this in April of 2021. So <laughs> if any of y'all even made it to the end of all this, you're, you're going to be like, like, if they haven't tuned out already from all the anachronistic, like, what are they what are they talking about? Why does it sound like they recorded a long time ago? It's because we did. Yeah. And uh so, yeah, but uh, a bunch of the cool stuff is, is there. You know, you can jo- join us for good laughs. I made the animated GIFs, which I've learned not to say the way I normally say it. Otherwise, my girlfriend gets very upset. I don't really mind. And, uh... <laughs> By the way, I want to, I really want to endorse the your YouTube channel. Uh, the content was so well produced. I felt bad about myself after, after visiting your channel. Oh, I really? was like, oh, no. I was like. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so definitely, definitely. I, there's there's a there's a YouTube channel for us, but it, it's just our show with nothing. So it's just... It's, 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 it's a, it, that was us for a long time. So it's all about a start. It's, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start deciding, oh, I'm going to do a top five for the end of this season and do it as in between. And then realizing, oh my God, I have to edit a 25 minute video in four days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was that was what got me was the editing and uh, on it, I thought was really beautifully done so thank you i really appreciate that I was, and, and i was I mean, blown away and I, I i mean yeah i mean i know this is obviously i am i am biased in this in this point but i really enjoy doing the top five episodes because um lisa does a humongous amount of research for them and you know it, it takes us a long time to put them together yeah. so it's always good. i'm terribly proud of the season two one i'm really really proud of the season two yeah one, especially been. if you haven't checked those out in night after nightland uh wow check them out right now yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, matter of fact, why don't we just go ahead and uh, get to what's on the next episode, and then people will be free to go do so. Mm. So, yeah. So, as we say farewell to these days being actually, they're, they're still yours. They're not ours. They're yours. And so, <laughs> no, they are ours so and no one else's. Are, so you would say these days are theirs, <laughs> right? These days are theirs. So they're they're going. Yeah, okay. So as we 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 say farewell, but we will be moving into the rest of season five. And Lisa, my love, my darling, what is it we have next? I I notice. Is that something behind a? Is that something behind the <laughs> oven? Carmine and Laverne make out. This is one heck of a note. Oh goodness gracious me! <laughs> oh, I'm gonna throw a moment and I stand behind that. <laughs> Sounds super hot. <laughs> I gotta say that. I know multiple <laughs> people who feel that way. I know we're doing that. All right. 
Well, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks yeah. again so much to uh, to Joe and Peter for being our guests. And we thank you so much for listening to our long, you know, rambling, rambling on. And we hope that you out there within the world are just having yourselves a good day. And this will probably going up in the year 2022, actually. So to you in the future, has the flying car been invented yet? Have we had UFOs destroy everything? Has Cthulhu finally gotten out of bed? Is COVID finally over? That would yes, and there that also as well. Yeah, I usually go for the fantasy stuff, but yes, that's a much more pressing, yes. much more pressing issue. Ugh. I don't know. Just send a, send a send a quantum paper airplane back at us. We'll see. We'll see you next time. <laughs> don't get lost if you're Sam Beckett. Mm-hmm.